it or longer. Or in medieval like, times, they broke the bones and refused them. Yeah. It's it's like um, how people uh, do like a lot of like facial stuff. It's like, oh, I did this. It makes my skin smoother, but it only does it for about like maybe ten minutes after you do it, mm. and then it goes back to normal. Mm. It's like that kind of thing. I think that you got to make the most of those. I think that, that people are definitely doing <laughs> yeah, right. themselves. It's, it's, it certainly reminds me of some of the more extreme uh, hair plug treatments I've seen. Mm. It's like if you love yourself, you will be fine. <laughs> I think that that one, it's a funny word. Jelking is a funny word, and two, uh, saying like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to go home and do some jelking," is like a, a funny yeah. image to create. But also because I didn't hear about it until last week or whenever I saved this thing. Uh, and I'm not going to be posting any diagrams about it. Uh, I, <laughs> Please don't. I'm, not, I, I, I'm, I'm picturing like a, like, because you compared it to the rack, I'm yeah. picturing like a pulley system <laughs> that you attach to your car. Yeah, like a whole Rube Goldberg <laughs> it's, machine. It's yeah. more yeah. like... Like a when... trebuchet except it <laughs> mm. yanks your cock. Well, the one I saw was more like when you... Uh, sprain a finger and they attach something to it to keep it from bending. Okay. Like it's, that it's huge, like, it's like, like, like yeah, it's, it's like, a, it's, it's like got a stent almost yeah. to, keep, to, to keep it from bending. Oh, okay. Okay. So if you keep it grown for long enough, it, it'll just be that I size. I wonder if it only works on growers. <laughs> like, hmm. This is, this is, a, you know, something I'm not going to do research about, but I am going to ponder this. Uh, Pondering my jelk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some jelk research. <laughs> I spent $5,000 on my jelking apparatus. <laughs> it takes up a whole room. That's like, it's like it's one of those like, 70s computers. It's like consuming power. <laughs> it's made out of pure titanium. My, my electric bill is going through the roof since I started advanced jelking. No, that's all right. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome to Please Don't Listen to This, Your Life Depends On It, the show where we do something different every single week. And this week, we did a little bit of light time traveling to play some games from before we were born. That's right. And go back in time and you kill an old video game before you were Mm. born. You get a different ending. (laughs) Right? Does it create a paradox? Uh, no, I'm trying to do doesn't. the grandfather paradox, no, but it, it didn't really doesn't, work. No, it doesn't, but uh, we're going to say that some of our listeners were probably born before Chrono Trigger came out, wow. or after Chrono Trigger came out, so if you go back and play that game before you come, before you came out, that's a different ending. Um, yeah, if you kill Will Wright before <laughs> you were born... The, you end you, the world, I think. You, I think yeah. I think if you kill Will Wright before, before, he, <laughs> before he can make The Sims, it does it cause like City. a... A resonance cascade yeah. that just totally destroys the entire earth. 
you will regret cutting funding. But <clears throat> I have with me their royal majesty, esteemed, benevolent King Seb. Uh, hello, uh, my <laughs> subjects. I wasn't expecting you to do a voice. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't prepared for that, but I tried. Uh, yes, it is me, Seb. I'm sorry our kingdom has fallen into disrepair, but fret not. Uh, this sorcerer has told me that he will repair the kingdom if I give him my magic shoes. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. That's a, that's a fucking Sierra-ass solution. Oh, um. that's... <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> I have death-warping dungeoneer Alex. Hello. I'm currently on level four. <laughs> Uh, and I am your host, Approaching Slime Nick. Approaching now, battle music. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of... Part of the reason I'm doing that fucking stupid-ass voice is because uh, when they localized Dragon Quest as Dragon Warrior in the West, they added uh, the uh, Elizabethan thighs and thous yeah. and everything <laughs> to it, which was not in the original game, but they're like... Oh, this is a very like King Arthur style, like legend sort of thing. So it should have that. And it made it very weird when Enix started doing the localizations themselves. They're like, well, should we keep this? People are used to it, uh, including a bunch of other weird things. But it's funny because it almost doesn't fit at all with some of the other tonal choices the game makes, where they don't take anything seriously at all. It almost makes it, that it feel like they're making fun of you, which is something I'm going to talk about a little bit in the second segment. Yeah. Um, they kind of do that in King's Quest also. Yeah. That, that's the whole point of King's Quest. Yeah. Like, they, they do it because it's like that. Mm -hmm. Lord British doesn't have any other way that he knows how to talk. No. Uh, so we, we played some old games this week. Uh, it was my episode, and I was really excited about this. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about related to this subject is uh, when you're playing an older game, or, or games in general, they can still do stuff like this, although it doesn't happen as much uh, because of modern design sensibilities. But I wanted to talk about the, like, basically how the player is supposed to find things out, how they are supposed to figure things out, how are they supposed to make progress in your game, is this intuitive? Does a person tell them to do it? Uh, something that we like to joke about all the time that uh, our uh, duly departed host, Cam, uh, loved to bring up <laughs> as well, is in Mario 64, how are you supposed to know that you needed to jump into the paintings? Like, Nobody oh, you see, you. You, see, you, see it in, you see it in the commercial? Do you see it on the back of the box or whatever? What if you just picked it up from Blockbuster and you didn't know any of that shit, right? Colonel tells seen, you. You'd never seen a commercial in your life. The, I believe one of the toads does tell you, but what if you didn't talk to that asshole? Yeah. It only appears when you get close to it. Close what if you can't it. read? Yeah. What if you're like five and you What if read? you're five and you can't read? Yeah. Do you know how many games are played by people who can't read? People uh, like a friend of the show, Andrew, who learned to read English through playing Super Mario RPG. <laughs> <laughs> um, Binks, um, little stepsisters who are very young, um, one of them uh, is learning to read still. Uh, she's yeah. about like six or seven. And she says that video games are helping her do that. Like otherwise she's yeah. not good at reading. Mm -hmm. um, but like she's kind of forced to read when she's playing video games, which, you know, like I learned a lot from video games. Oh, absolutely. I learned... <laughs> Part of the reason I talk the way I do is because I learned how to read mostly from comic books. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> You've got like italic 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm italic in all bold caps, words. and there's a lot of italicized. Uh, yeah, text. and then the italicized uh, text isn't where you think it should mm-hmm. be um, because it was written in 1970. I have a memory when I was really young of my mom asking me why I knew what the word sinister meant. And I'm like, oh, they're always using that word. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're, it's like a top five word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But the point my mom was making was she's like, I don't use that word. I'm not I'm not saying sinister all the time. Yeah. yeah. Like, why are you why are you saying that? Um, when I was a kid, I was given, uh, you know, Pokemon Yellow and I could not understand it. I could read, but I didn't understand progression in that game. So I got lost really easily in a game that tells you where to go all the time. And I think it was just spatial reasoning. Like I wasn't used to moving a character around top down yet, trying to figure out where to go and what that meant. Like a game where there was more choices than simply going left and right, like Kirby or whatever, was a little too much for me. Mm. But uh, to move beyond that, to go up in scale a little bit, when you are at a dead end in a game and there's a bunch of places you can go, that, let's say there's a town, you know, there's a... Uh, some tough enemies around, but you don't really know where to go. Do you like to push against the edges, or how? What does it take for you to resort to looking at a guide? Um, it has to take me a while. Like I'll I'll exhaust everything I can possibly think of, and then I'll be like, all right, that's it. I'm going for guide. I I won't feel around blindly mm-hmm. for too long. Because otherwise I'm just wasting my time. I'm not going to think of it because mm-hmm. that's just not my brain. I think in this theoretical situation, I would already have been looking at a guide. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> See, I mean, like, there's no real wrong answer here. And, like, a lot of the games that we are going to be talking about today came packaged with some kind of guide or Feelings. reference material. Yeah. Um, Earthbound in the West came out with a strategy guide just in the box. Oh, yeah, it just had, had one of those things right there. I do half the shit in that game. Uh, <laughs> pencil <laughs> yeah, eraser, exactly. the eraser, eraser. Yeah, some fucking horse shit. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like behind when, the waterfall. When they re-released, yeah, you have to, the, what's the password? You have to wait three minutes. Incredibly funny. <laughs> but if you if you didn't know that, right, <laughs> you would know no cultural knowledge of Earthbound and yeah. you were trying to figure it out. There is nothing in the game that tells you about that. <laughs> Yeah, like I you have could a lot only to say have figured it out by accident. In this regard. You got to read the back of the uh, the game manual to yeah. know the codec frequency to call. Oh yeah, uh, whoever. Metal Gear is usually pretty good about this stuff because the characters never shut up. Check but it does have a lot of little. Case. Yeah. Yeah, there's the there's the bit where you have to put um, your controller into the second port. Uh-huh. Which is clever, but I think Colonel tells you at some yes, point. Yes, Colonel tells you after if, a long enough after time. After a long yeah. enough time, it's like four minutes into that fight. If you're still not figuring it out and you're still yeah. alive, he'll tell you. Or if you die enough times, he'll tell you. But that's one of the things that I'm trying to talk about, right? Everyone mm-hmm. I know who's played Metal Gear Solid One played it way after the game came out, and they already right. knew it because they had heard about it in so many other things. Yeah, they because I had watched Metal Gear games. Awesome. That's oh, right. all right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, that's actually a pretty good, yeah. pretty good example. But, like, uh, you know, some people know to jump into the painting from the commercial. They know this stuff from the strategy guide or whatever. Uh, But the experience of figuring something out for yourself, of, like, pushing against the boundaries of the world and trying to find it, was the sort of thing that I wanted to recreate with this episode. Uh, I made an effort right before Breath of the Wild came out to try and play Zelda 1 in a way that I wasn't looking at a guide. I had a... dad game, Zelda 1. Yeah. (laughs) I had a... uh, I had a map that was one of the maps that came with the manual, and I had, like, a PDF of the manual 
uh, that I, I pulled up on my laptop that I had next to me while I was playing the game on an original NES card, which original hardware, who cares? That doesn't matter. But I, ha- I had it, so I wanted to do it. Um, and one of the things that really tickled me about it is because of the translation and the era and how everything was rushed at the time, some of the information in that fucking manual was just straight up wrong. <laughs> uh, like where it tells you to use the, the fairy flute and stuff like that and where it's going to warp you and how to get to the last level. And it's like, oh, you need to search underground. And it's like, that's technically true, but you actually just need to burn a bush. That's not what they... Well, that's you, not, re- you really had to uh, have a subscription to Nintendo Power. That yeah. is a totally different thing. Like I'm happy that I, I didn't end up playing like Simon's Quest, which is full yeah. of this horse shit. You got to crouch with the orb in the uh-huh. corner. And let the tornado take you away. Yeah. It's some bullshit because that game was so poorly translated. None of the hints mm-hmm. even made any sense. I was really worried about that with Dragon Warrior, but it was actually really good for the most part. Yeah. Like I didn't have to deal with that at all. There no was only said, look into the Death Star. One. There was only one thing that I would describe as bullshit. And when I was trying to find online whether other people thought it was as well, I found forum arguments from last year about whether <laughs> yeah, or yeah. not it was bullshit. It's one of those things that those really the makes... fucking real ones. Yeah. yeah. People who are just like, you got to get good. And I th- then... <laughs> I think it will... Like... It's somebody who had clearly already done it. Mm-hmm. And they're like... Well, it's easy. Well, <laughs> they said, how are you supposed to know to get the sword in, in the castle at the end of the game? Because... The, the guy tells you that there is a sword and, you know, it's certainly something that you would expect there to be and you know it's missing from the set and you need it to kill the final boss. And it's in the, the last dungeon, so it's not like you have to go all around the world looking for it. Uh, well, but That'll come up later. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are not the kind of person who, when they see a chest they can't get to, goes back and looks for a way to get to it, then it is totally easy to just walk right past the secret passageway that leads you to the fucking... Yeah most important item in the game and i definitely i would not have walked past it because i at this point was used to this game's bullshit and i'm like oh if there's uh if it was too easy for me to get somewhere that means i missed something (laughs) uh i got i got another one that just came to mind um how are you supposed to know to use a super bomb to blow up the tube to get into Meridia in Super Metroid. My answer for that is that when I was playing this, I was using those shits in every room. (laughs) 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 Which is maybe not (laughs) the best thing to try. There are like a couple visual cues. Like it's not not as obtuse as it would seem, but Uh it is, I think it's the one piece of that game that's like, we just supposed to try everything. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's the o- I think it's the only way to get into Meridia proper is to do that yeah. to blow up the tube. Because you can sink through the sand in another part, right? I think so. But um, that was that, that was one that I had you. to that was one I had to look up when I played it. And I uh, pre speed booster you can hold B to run, and that you need to do that to get through a specific room. Oh, and that is something that I do. I was like, what the fuck? Friend of the show Josh Paquette <laughs> used to talk about this with us because he yeah. had played the Metroid games before we did. We were we were getting to it afterwards. Yeah, and he would talk about the quote new bridge in, yep. in Super Metroid. That is exactly where it. If you don't know, you can run, which is on the pause screen. It's on the it's yep. in the manual. Mm-hmm. It's and the controls or whatever. There's lots of places that will, nobody. 
you know, has a voiced line in the game saying, Samus, remember, you can run. But, but also, if you if you played any, any of the other games that have a speed booster, you don't have a run and the speed booster. Right. You unlock you played, the speed booster that lets you run. If you played Zero Mission first, which uh, people our age definitely might have, yeah. you're always running in that game and in Fusion because there was not enough space on a Game Boy Advance to add another button for running. Yeah. So... You're always, you might think, like, Samus's jog is, like, a pretty good clip. Like, it's not, you don't feel slow. So you yeah. might not think that there's something wrong. Whereas if you're not holding the B button in Mario, you're like, okay, something's wrong. <laughs> like, this is not. Yeah, it's this, one of those I things should, where yeah. the signaling is weird. Because mm -hmm. if you don't know that you can hold B to run, you might think you need to go get an item to progress uh -huh. through that area. But it's the only way you can go. I'm a big fan of when uh, the game makes you interact with something that is not that does not make sense within the game's world, but is cool. Like in Ocarina, when they have you shoot at the, the rising sun to get the fucking fire yeah. arrows, which you don't, I don't think you need the fire arrows to beat that game, but it's just no, cool. So. Yeah, There's like a really plaque cool. somewhere that says like, uh, that says like, it might be keep a truth your, stone. Keep your eyes on the, the rising sun or something like that. Yeah. It doesn't tell you directly to do that, but I love the idea. It's like, all right, shoot the sun. Got it. Yeah, there's there's a few shines in Super Mario Sunshine that are like that. Like, love that, where like, they just like spray water at the sun or look at the sun. What, and em, Emily is a big sunshine aficionado and mm -hmm. uh, said that she and her brother got stuck at Noki Bay for a while because they didn't know to look into the sun to do it. And yeah, she's like, how, she, she said, to go how it. are you supposed to know to do that? And I said, when you You, you see, have played what, Mario 64 before. That's, that's how you know. That is an example. <laughs> but what I was going to say is that when you see a weird light source, you turn to look directly at it. Yeah. That's why that's, you, you go into yeah. first person mode. No, there's, there's the one in um, Pianta Village where you have to look at the sun and shoot water at the sun and then... Like the shine sprite yeah, image appears the in the sky. Shot. So cool. And you're I like, love what? shit like that. Or um, I think there's one where you also shoot at the moon, but you have to stand on top of the golden mushroom in mm, Pianta yeah. Village at night. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of those that are like super obtuse. At least those aren't like things that are required for progression, though. Those no, are, like, fun no those are secrets. secret sh shines. So, yeah. like, they're not required, but it's, it's still like there's some things that you're like, what? Um, I, I'm not sure if they. Do they tell you that Yoshi's... No, they must tell you that Yoshi's juice, like, makes stuff devolve, like, the things... Dissolve? Yeah, dissolve. they definitely say that. It's like, yeah. a, some one of the fucking Noki guys says that after you spray him, and he's like, oh, yeah. this sucks. It's going to dissolve me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually think they might show you in a little movie after you unlock Yoshi they for the do. first time. Yeah, they're like, here's how to use Yoshi. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So... Have you guys ever ha had an experience with this sort of thing recently where you played a game that is more modern that still has stuff that is secret? Uh, oh, well, I mean, take off your bingo card, uh, uh -huh. Dark Souls. Oh, well, yes. Dark Souls. I was trying to explain this to Emily. Again, this is, I was there, I was like, oh, dark, I was, because I was c complaining about one of the only complaints I have about Lies of P is that there is no hidden secret shit anywhere. Yeah. Like, you push up against the edges of the game world, and it's just like a straight line. Like, there's not even, like, little treats yeah, around Yeah, that's what I've usually. heard. It's as cool as that game is. It's, it's really, really good, there. but it doesn't have, like, the secrets. It yeah. doesn't have the special little extra I mean, dusting of... The, the Dark Souls special, I think, is the... Uh, illusory wall in Blight Town that leads you to a chest. Yes. And then there's another illusory wall behind that that br it. brings you to two entire areas. Yes. And if I hadn't <laughs> already seen that in a video, I never would have discovered it. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you're like, oh, I, oh, I found a hidden wall. Oh, yeah. there's a chest there. Perfect. You yeah. never ever and in a million years like, think that there's another hidden and wall. Isn't there an ember in that chest? I so, think it might be something like 
decent like something yeah. not not good but yeah. like it's okay. like it's enough of a reward that you wouldn't think well this is obviously fake yeah. i need to check or it's like it. i could be like like rubbish like it could be like a, fa- a bad item i don't remember mm-hmm. but um, um there's definitely a lot of stuff like that in Baldur's gate but i wouldn't call it too obtuse because it's like if you're paying enough attention yeah. you'll you'll find it i think that just fits more within the realms of like that's the, just the, the kind of game it's the is. legacy of the games that it's coming from mm-hmm. right the, the first and, the, and the, like the movement system in that game incentivizes hiding secrets in really fun ways because yeah can, there's so many different ways to get around the map you can like turn into a bird or teleport to like anywhere that's in you can turn into gas yeah <laughs> so like <laughs> there's a ton of form. there's a ton of places to hide stuff yeah that like that, but there it's very rewarding yeah. Uh, but to circle back to Dark Souls, the thing that I think, like, I think they really cracked it with the, like, the messages and stuff, because that's, like, instead of going to the FAQ. Of course. Oh, how could I forget to mention something like that? Because the you can be much more obtuse with secrets if you give players the option to help each other yeah. find them. Instead of having to go to the FAQ, you read a message on the ground that says, Illusory Wall Ahead. And usually they're lying, but if they're right... Uh, and then you see another one that's like, oh, it, there's another wall. It's like, oh, all right, cool. You see a uh, writing on the ground that says amazing chest ahead. And you're like, <laughs> and then you walk around the corner and you get fucking killed. <laughs> it's great. I do, so good. Um, one of, when I was playing through Elden Ring, one of my favorite messages that I would see a lot that was actually really helpful uh, is that in like a spot that you'd think they'd have something hidden, uh-huh. it would be like no item ahead. Like yeah. They tell you it's like, yeah, it's like don't, don't don't waste your time going all the way around this staircase because there's <laughs> nothing there. Don't look in all the trash. But cans. that's that's exactly because the game is so rewarding and yeah. often hides stuff in places like that. The people who play the game know it's like uh-huh. oh that's where I would hide something if I was you know making this game. You know uh, what's full of that? What game is full of that stuff with when it comes to extras? But it's not really for progression. Is uh, the original Donkey Kong Country games? So many of those bonuses are like literally you jump into a pit. Yeah, it's all about like the way the camera moves to obscure stuff. It's always slightly off screen. It's oh, it's like it's never really so bad where you're like, oh goddamn, and I now have to jump into every pit to see if there's a bonus yeah. there. It's always just a little bit off screen where you can tell like the way that this area is obscured makes me think there might be something cool there. And 90% of the time it is. Yeah, they've got some good yeah. secrets. Like the breakable walls and stuff in that game. Yeah, it's, oh man, uh, love that. You can hide some cool stuff in there. Um, if we could circle back to some old stuff, I do want to yeah, like yeah. just mention my first memory of ever playing a video game mm-hmm. is me not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, which is um, playing Super Mario Brothers for the NES, original NES. I'm like five, um, and I'm I get to the first pit in the game, uh-huh. and I cannot jump over it. Mm. I did not know you didn't push the to other jump. Button? No, I didn't know to jump. I don't know how I got past the Goomba and the Koopa, but <laughs> I didn't know to jump over the pit. And one, so, one one is not, you know, they say it teaches you how to play Mario, but I don't know. I don't think it does. Uh, I, how are you supposed to know to jump if you can't read and, and you're five? How are you supposed to know to jump over the Goomba? Mm. Yeah. Wow. This is like, no, but this is exactly the kind of thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah, that's funny. That's uh, funny. I have so many memories of this. Like, I got, when I was a kid, I got lost in the Forsaken Fortress, the first uh, oh, Wind, yeah. Wind Waker dungeon. And mm-hmm. I think... Looking back, it is because every room in that place looks the same. Well, and there's like an, the yeah. entire ground floor is not required at all to uh-huh. clear that dungeon. And you can get stuck down there for a while. I definitely yeah. did. 
uh, I think that there's something kind of magical about that being able to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that being able to get lost in a digital space is something that is so cool and like special. Like this feeling of wonder that allows your imagination to kind of push at the boundaries of what there could be there. Because you're, uh, have you ever been watching someone else play a game and you know how to advance oh, yeah. to the next oh, part? Oh, yeah. And the, the person you're watching tries something that you never would have thought of but is not the right solution. No. You're like, oh my God, why would you do that? Like, why would you think that that's so what dumb. you need to do? Yeah. yeah. Accidentally inventing speed run tech yeah, just yeah. to try and go <laughs> yeah. the wrong way up the slide. But it's not like <laughs> any of us have never done that. Like, oh, yeah, of course. When we were playing Echo, I was trying so fucking hard to get that shell to mm-hmm. hit like some of the um, freaking like rocks and break yeah, them. The stuff and I was right. doing it totally wrong. Like I was angling it wrong or mm-hmm. I was throwing it wrong yeah. and just, just all that kind of thing. Or yeah. um, any number of games that give you an item and then you keep trying it everywhere. Yeah. Oh. And you're like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Giving, it doesn't pre- work. Presenting your attorney badge yeah. to everyone, yeah. Mace Attorney. Yeah. And oh my God, when it does work, though, it's like <laughs> so like, good. Well, uh, on case one four in, in Ace Attorney, which Emily and I just played again uh, this year, uh, we, we were playing it right at the lead up to Christmas because almost Christmas means yeah. it isn't Christmas. It's almost mm-hmm. not Christmas. Uh, so you got to fucking show that badge to Edgeworth to get yeah. him to let you defend him. Yeah. And it's like, Buddy, I've been doing showing this to everybody in the game. Like, uh, I, yeah, I would have, it would have worked eventually, you know. One, yeah. one more bit on like mystery and discovery. I think mm-hmm. um, this is something that I've I've come to a lot later when I've gone back to games that I grew up with, uh, with like knowledge of like speedrun glitches uh-huh. or like uh, anything that you can like really power game or abuse. Yeah, it, yeah. It kind of re-cracks that nut a little bit. Like you get. Like it, then it you is, start trying different stuff. It like, is a way to recapture that a little bit, is to be like, like to like I got really into the speedrun tech for Wind Waker specifically because mm-hmm. that's a game that I like played a lot as a kid and did have that mystery. But now it's like, oh, I can absolutely like I can bring some of that back. I can do everything out of order. I can break all the rules. Yeah, you can go out of bounds. You can see what's <laughs> what's behind here. Camera right, exactly. Break, it's whatever. like, oh man, I. I there's no like secret island like I thought mm-hmm. I, when I was a kid. They're like you can't yeah. leave the map, but I can leave the map now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the I would like to bring up a game that might seem a little different from uh, what we've been talking about here, but it's uh, one of my favorite games is Punch Out Wii. And oh, um, there's secrets. Uh, that there are tons of secrets, and there are lots of secrets in terms of like how the game kind of leans its way into teaching you them because after you beat every. Every time you beat a boxer, you unlock them in a challenge mode where it gives you three little challenges that kind of hints as to ways you might be able to fight them. Where it's like, hey, you can defeat Von Kaiser in five punches. And I'm like, what? Like, how, how is that possible? And then once you figure it out, you're like, oh, okay. So I, I get the star off of, I, I stop his first two punches and then I get the star off of his taunt. And then when he peeks his head out from behind his hands, if I throw the star punch, it's over. It's like, okay, that's great. Yeah. And playing that first led me to go back and when I eventually played Super Punch Out to like really push these guys. Cause I was like, you know, if, if you had just played this game and you didn't really know anything about it, uh, the, any of the Punch Out games, you're like, okay, it's a boxing match. I have to beat my opponent over multiple rounds. But for me, coming at it with a little experience of the franchise already, I'm like, this should never last more than one round. Yeah. And it should never last more than two minutes if I'm good at it. So when the timer would go over two minutes, I'm like, we're resetting. We're going to start again. <laughs> and we're gonna not fin- going to decision. Yeah, this is not going to decision. Even if I would win, I don't yeah. want to win that way. I'm going to knock him out in two minutes. That's funny. Um, that uh, was me um, with Spyro um, eventually with the um, 
the gem, like the the flight levels, mm. where um, to get like all the rewards for it, mm-hmm. you have to like do it in a certain amount of time. Yeah. And I would just start the level, and like I wouldn't go through it for like uh, whatever the reward was, um, the initial <laughs> reward. I would want all of it. Yeah. And I so I would just restart, restart. I'd fuck up, restart, fuck so up, restart. Like not even try to recover if I fucked up. To go at this from a little bit of a different angle, I would like to say that my um, in terms of whether or not I resort to a guide, I, I will, I I can be broken in terms of reaching for a guide, and, mm-hmm. but uh, sometimes I will get mad enough at a game that I just decide that I would instead of looking it up, I'd rather not play. <laughs> Which happened to me with Inscription, yeah. a game that I, I bring up every oh. now and then on the show. <laughs> uh, I I was enjoying it, but I was not progressing. I guess. Like I wasn't, I wasn't. People kept kept saying there is this really cool extra part of the game, like a, a second phase, if you will, of the game. There are three phases of three the game. phases. Well, I never reached phase two. Mm-hmm. I don't. It was frustrating me not figuring it out, and I didn't want to look it up because people were talking about how cool the mystery and secret yeah. was. Because even beating him, you don't necessarily win. <laughs> Like, you great. don't necessarily great. get well, to the... F- fucking great. What was... What <laughs> How am I supposed to know to jump into the painting, huh? Yeah. How am I supposed yeah. to know? You just have to do it. Sorry. Is Toad going to tell me? Yeah. All There's right. Toad so in that one, you, too. You have to, like, get film and then take a picture of him. Okay. And, and then you... Uh, like, you have to solve all the puzzles within the um, yeah, cabin. Yeah, spoilers for inscription. Um, yeah, spoilers for inscription. 2020. Fuck, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and, and then... Uh, I forget what it was... Um, there's like Let's a shoot the wine bottle inside the painting. <laughs> there, there's like the... is that puzzle in the remake? <laughs> there's no way, right? They took that out, shit out for sure. I think it's. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> but um, there's like a board that has like a few cards on it, right? Uh-huh. I forget if it's like you have to get them all like on the board in in that specific way, mm-hmm. and then that board unlocks and you can get film or so, something like that, and then you take a picture of him. And then you go to the next phase, and the next phase is like a um, like an RPG type of thing, um, where you're right. still battling cards, but it's a different game. So it changes genres. It changes of. genres, wow. and then you get through that, and then it goes to the Weasel's version of um, oh man, what's his name? The first guy. Leshy. 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 Yeah, it goes to the Weasel's version of that, and it fucking sucks. It, it sucks <laughs> shit. But it's but it's the, on purpose. You're like the real he's reveal like, is that it's a bad game at the end. Yeah, the That's the reveal the is the weasel wants to take over it, and the weasel this is means is like, yeah, my game so is great and it's perfectly balanced and it's great, and you're just like, no, this sucks shit, weasel, and so you just have to get through that. Um, but there is um, Casey's mod, which just makes the first part, which is Casey's the funnest mod part. Has got it going um, on. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. That one just goes forever if, if you use Casey's mod. Okay, well, so. I was enjoying when the hard battles, but not come now. back. We'll be yeah. talking about old video games. That's right, three of them in particular. Although there will probably be a lot of bleeding discussion as well. Mm-hmm. There'll yes. be a lot of bleeding either way. We'll see you then, adventure.
Use wisdom and cunning to choose thy commands, for the Dragon Lord is a fierce rival. Horrible and treacherous minions all guard the evil one's island castle. Are they ready, young one? Yes, King Lauren. And so begins a new epic, Dragon Warrior. Nintendo, now you're playing with power. Please don't listen to this. Your life depends on it. The show where we do something different every single week. And this week, I had us all play some old games. Now, this comes from two things. One, which is an anecdote that I brought up earlier in the show uh, about in 2017, in preparation for Breath of the Wild, play, attempting to play Zelda 1 without, without being a part of the modern world while I was doing it. Not that there is anything wrong with uh, being absorbed in culture or the internet or anything like that. There are things wrong with it, but I'm not talking about them right now. Um, <laughs> I think that trying to put yourself in the space, if if not that of a child, then someone who is open to the new experience of discovery and uh, trying to figure out a maybe you know slightly more primitive nature of... Uh, of gameplay, of story ideas, of like progression, trying to let your brain move without being, you know, hit with little little gamer treats of plus ones and numbers, or yeah, uh, uh, or characters who tell you exactly where to go and what to do. I think um, our conception of a modern video game is one that I think they uh, like. Um, I think my my real like articulation point between uh -huh. like retro and modern games is a lot of retro games are pretty ambivalent to you ever finishing the game mm -hmm. but the a lot of new video games really want you to finish the game so they'll yeah. do everything they can to make sure that you get there I, help I think you that's, all the way <laughs> I, I think that's definitely a, a relic of um the switch between mainly arcade and mainly console or home console yeah. games well, a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about is has its roots in PC adventure game culture. Yeah. Where I because think... you had this one game for so long, they were like, well, this person will eventually try everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, They're definitely banking on that. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I, I think it's like part of it is um, part of it is like trying to stretch a little bit, like stretch mm -hmm. beyond what uh, they could fit on the cartridge, maybe a little bit. I, I don't want to yeah. say padding because I don't necessarily think it's that. But I think some of this stuff makes it makes you spend more time with the game than you would if it were straightforward or if you didn't have to grind mm -hmm. or if uh, they just told you where the magic chalice was. Yeah. I mean, some of the thought process there was to keep you playing the game, to make you think it yeah. was worth your money. So they, they would pad it or they would make it more difficult. Yeah. But I think there also just wasn't this... Um, the psychology behind getting somebody to keep playing a game, even if like it's not, you're not at the arcade feeding in mm -hmm. money and trying to finish it. Like to get somebody to keep playing the game, they have like literal psychologists on this now. Like they oh, have yes. worked out the gambling. Fucking solid yeah. boxes. I think that ideally a game would make you want to keep playing it because it is enjoyable or interesting. Mm. Well, they don't not have to you make games enjoyable or interesting anymore. God no. damn it. They can just make Call of Duty every year wow. and, the, and they, you know. Man, 
I, get gun. I was showed a lot of restraint by not uh, wanting to dunk on that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League game that's about to come out. Mm-hmm. The um, embargo has lifted on I some of that. I didn't know about this at and all, And really. it looks so bad. It has looked bad for years. Well, they just made a uh, Batman game that sucked ass, didn't they? Gotham Knights, yes. Yeah. Same kind of thing. WB was pushing hard on uh, WB Games was pushing really hard on live service stuff, even though it all failed except for Destiny and didn't make anyone any money. Yeah. Uh, and except that's for not Destiny. making Destiny any money either. Wait, <laughs> really? <laughs> They're not doing well. Oh, I, I, I thought have, that was um, just because their parent company. Well, so I, I have a uh, a channel that I follow on YouTube, and he does like general gaming mm-hmm. industry news, and he has a bit of a behind the scenes look to things because he has actually a game developer himself. But like he like. Every other video lately has been like Bungie fucked up. Oh Destiny boy. is failing. Yeah, it's not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I haven't played it in like three months. So. Man, yeah. people really uh, spent their entire livelihoods and billions of dollars trying to get their own Destiny and it didn't work. Mm, it turns not, out Destiny is not even doing well, it. Well, it only yeah. worked for them for nine years or so. so yeah. Eh, that's not a bad run. No, yeah. I think it's all right. Um, but video games, new video games only care that you're logging in. Generally. Yes, <laughs> but that is a cynical way of looking at it. But we are we are care about concurrent players. Wow, we are returning steam. to a, a more civilized age, yeah. uh, and a uh, more confusing age. More confusing age. <laughs> yes. Now, originally, my prompt was play a game from uh, before you were born. That got changed to play a game from before 1990, and then it got softened again to play a game from before you were born because I was not strict enough with Alex. Before <laughs> all of us were before born. Before all so of us were I think born. He, yes. he is okay. Yes. I, and you know what? What I was really just trying to avoid was somebody playing Super Metroid. Yep. And I think that we were, <laughs> we are fine there. Yes. Nobody, it doesn't really feel like cheating. We all yep. uh, went uh, through. Put in we, a lot of work yeah. to we make jumped, this happen. We all jumped through hoops to get oh, this. To, I, to, I pressed shift J to jump through hoops, okay? <laughs> shift J. I had to select jump. jump through hoop from a menu. A I had to menu. type it in oh, the command the text parser, jump. Um... Sam, yeah, I, think, I wanted to actually oh. hear from you first. Okay, I, because, we were uh, dunking on Alex, so I was going to have... No, no, no. Have, okay. I, I, I want you Bring us into the to class. talk first. I want to go uh, in a sort of chronological order okay. about the games that we played. What year did Dragon Quest come out? Uh, Dragon Warrior? 87 in okay. Japan and 89 in the U.S. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes so, sense. And you played, this, you played it in Japanese, right? I should have. I fucking should have, man. It would have enhanced <laughs> the experience. Uh, but, Seb, you played King's Quest, a... Classic Sierra adventure yes, game. This, this is just King's Quest, right? There's no mm-hmm. subtitle. This oh, there's the a f- subtitle. It's King's Quest, Quest for the Crown. Okay. And this oh, is the on. first That's one. That's a little redundant. Right? This is the first one. There is like another game that some people consider as part of the series, but okay. it's not King's even called. So I, no, I'm, it's like something about the sorcerer <laughs> and the princess or something like that. I'm but it's not like called the, King's Quest. The 101 on what this shit even is. So, so King's Quest <laughs> is a very early, maybe one of the first games that we think of as an adventure game, um, which would eventually morph into the point and click. You know, but Sierra. They didn't have mouses at the time. No, <laughs> not really. Uh, some people did, and some people didn't. Um, God damn! For, for this game, you could use either the mouse or the keyboard, but I was also on an emulator, so I'm not sure um, what most people were doing at the time. Yeah, it's like a first part of Doom versus playing yeah. regular yeah. Doom, I think. Yeah, um, but uh, so an adventure game is one of those games. Um, think about humongous games, Putt Putt. Um, Pajama so Sam, uh, Lucas, your Grimm's Fandangos and Grimm's your Monkeys Fandangos, Islands, Monkeys Islands, oh, the man. Lucas Lucas Arts games, Monkey Island One, um, days fucking rips. I played that for the first time yeah. last year. I think that's a that's a 
uh, pre-1990, right? Yeah. When did that come out? I think that is 90 or oh, 91. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think for a more modern example, maybe think um, Unfortunately Broken Age. Um, I don't want to talk about that well, anymore. Uh, people don't yeah, know. People, when you say Broken Age, people don't know what you're talking it about. It is more Five modern. Years ago, maybe. Thimbleweed Park is a good modern yeah. example. Or um, we'll what was one. The, one you pl- the medieval one that you played? Um, penitent, 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 penitent. Yeah. I always get like which. That game how was many... so good. Yeah. I should go back and finish. That. Yeah, that's, that was yeah. really cool. That's more of a narrative game, but it does use some of this stuff. Like even yeah. Disco Elysium is pulling on some point-and-click adventure game tropes. Yeah. I think. Yeah, just that so. kind of thing where you're just going around the the world looking for something you need, putting it in your inventory, and then going yeah. off and, and use, talking to people. Use stapler on guy. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Use sand on, but um, so uh, this is what originally came out in 1983 or four. It's debated for the P- PC Junior and IBM PC. PC um, Junior, um, yeah. What a fucking insane thing to call your yeah. machine. Like how, well, there's Donkey Kong and there's Donkey Kong Junior, and there's yeah. PC and PC Junior. I think. Yeah. I think Donkey Kong Junior died in Desert Storm because we don't hear much about him yeah. anymore. Oh, <laughs> it's rip. really sad. Um. But, um, yes, yeah, so, so uh, I'm not going to go too much into that because that's a bunch of, like, techno mumbo-jumbo. Yeah. But uh, so it, it was, like, an early um, personal computer, and they wanted to show off uh, their graphical capabilities and, and stuff on, on the computer. So uh, Sierra was like, yo, we'll make a game to show this off. And Sierra was going to... Um, die basically they were not doing well <laughs> so th- this was their final fantasy wow. um they made this game and it sold pretty well um probably not as well as it could have if it was on like a commodore 64 which was the main player for like uh, or zx spectrum um which were the the computers that everybody was buying to actually play games um but so it did really well and then it got ported to other um platforms at the time there were so many different platforms um there was like IBM PCs. There was Apple. There was um, MS DOS. There, were, you know, all of these. Yeah, and then it you wasn't s- just computer. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't just computer. And then in between different like machines running those, mm-hmm. there's different they, different uh, compatibility, different versions, so, and different. Well, like the it was fucked up. A lot of those games were based on the speed of the processor, like for like yeah. the logic of the game. So they would yeah. run faster or slower depending on what computer you were in. Fucking on. break some things because <laughs> so, when you developed your game, you didn't realize that that was a problem. In this game, you can type in fast, normal, or slow, and yep. it will change the speed of the game to and compensate so, for your computer speed. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep, um, that's what it was actually for. But I kept typing fast to speed up my fucking walk <laughs> speed because he was goddamn slow. There's no run button. So what's the game about? So the game. You're on the quest to be the king. We're on the quest to be the king. Uh, is there a reason you have this ambition, or is it just yes. like? Yeah. Yes, I will explain. Um, All right, so do it. So they explain it a little bit in the game, um, and then in the manual, which I looked up on um, archive.org, um, it tells you in more detail. Basically, the king, um, King Edward the Benevolent of this kingdom um, and his wife used to rule like it was very prosperous. They were undefeated, blah, da, da. Um, and then, but they didn't have an heir. So um, there was a series of mishaps of making deals with various shady people to solve different issues, such as not having an heir or the, the queen being sick or whatever. And they lost everything. They were like, I want your thing that gives you all the money. Or I want your thing that protects you no matter what. Mm. And then I will solve your, your issue. special items. Yeah, mm. give me your special item and I will make you have an heir. The royal or, treasures. 
Exactly. That's exactly what they got rid of. So it was like um, a magic mirror that tells them the future so that they know when to plant all their crops. Um, it was um, a magic chest that gives them all the gold they could ever need and a magic shield that um, would protect them on the Seems battlefield like no matter what. anyone could be the king with such powerful yeah, artifacts. <laughs> so um, King Edward is like super fucking old and has no heir or anything. So he summons you, Sir Graham, to the castle and he's like yo can you find me this shit and then you know you'll be king like if, if you yep. do that because i'm about to if die you can complete this quest you'll be the king yep wow yep um so you do that and you're running around and um it's not a side scroller but you do go from right to left but you can also go north south um like at like intersections in the road like do you go back into the distance how does that work you go back into the distance you can walk anywhere on the oh, screen okay all right unless so there's like a thing so it's there, more like overhead train. it's not like a side scroller then i was picturing no. okay at first when i started playing it like when i when i booted it up i was like oh okay we just go left right but apparently you could walk into the background which i didn't realize at first because there was no path into the background um, so that was another, that was one thing that was like, how was I supposed to know to jump into the painting? <laughs> um, like, how am I supposed to know that I can Loving go Loving how much that phrase forward. is coming up on this episode. Yeah. Big fan of that. Um, so basically, yeah, you just walk around the kingdom. Um, the manual tells you that whole story and then is like, make a map. That's yep. it. That's all it says. Um, and so uh, one of the things that Nick said um, in giving us this prompt was, Make a map, you know, like, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, if it's this relevant. This is the perfect graph yeah. paper map situation. It, yeah, absolutely. And um, <laughs> I've done that before. I've done it on some muds. Um, we did oh, a yeah. call back to the mud episode. This is... Yeah, this is right um, up your alley. Damn. This is tangential to muds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, around the same era it's like or they, even a little bit before. When they figured after. out they could have graphics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that was like, there was like Zork. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then this happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, was a graphical Zork. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or adventure, but this is so, a, this this is not a game that has like combat. This is all no. about just going to different areas within the mm -hmm. game, seeing a problem or an item, and trying to rub other items or problems against each other to figure out things that you can do. Yes, yeah, there, yeah. there are there characters. You talk to people in this game. Yeah. Okay. So there's um this has a console line like a command yeah. So is this all dialogue parser or you, do you get to pick options off of like a dialogue list? It's all parser. Okay. So it is entirely things you type in. It is scribble knots unlimited. Is there <laughs> um, does now you said the manual mostly is backstory stuff, but they have like lists of commands. Like where no. would you find your basic commands? You just have you to don't. figure it out. You just have to figure. That's it out. fucked you, up. You're on yeah. some stairs. Do you have to type stairs or do you type down? You type. No, you, you, you can type just left leg. Those. Right leg. <laughs> <laughs> you quop. Um, so, uh, yeah. So you would type um, get thing or take thing. You know, it, it's yeah. not always just the flies. one word. You cannot get ye dagger. <laughs> okay. Um, you, you cannot get ye crown. Um, mm. So this game in is like one of those very snarky Sierra games where you can just kill yourself in, in the stupidest fucking yeah. ways immediately. Like, I go talk to the king. And then I go over a few screens and then I find a boulder. I'm like, this boulder is weird. I can obviously move the boulder. So I type move boulder. I'm standing in front of it. And I, I thought that maybe uh, it would go to the side or like up, but no. it goes onto me. It's like, oh, it rolls forward and you were in front of it. Sorry. It like smushed me immediately. And then I had so, to start over. Yeah. So do you... Were you keeping saves like in anticipation of dying all the time? Yeah, or? The, the emulator has saves okay, on it, right. but it's such a short game that like in 
like at the time when you would have had this game, um, like like bought the game originally, I don't know that it had saves. Yeah, it, I was it curious. Was, it was about built that. into the emulator. It definitely was not the same screen okay. Okay. as the game. Um, so I, I think you would have just had to try over and over and over yeah. again. Um, which is which was annoying at some parts. That's the big um, thing. Um, the big thing that like uh, LucasArts was reacting to, like as as a company, their big thing was like we don't ever want to kill the player because yeah. all of the Sierra games want, killed you all the time. Yeah, as and a they consequence, made, and they made it. They made a habit out of it, right? Like they made, yeah. even made a bit out of it where they're like, "Wouldn't it be funny if we killed the player here?" Yeah, yeah. There's there's like you can fall down a well, you can drown. Like there's a point where like. I didn't think, like, I thought I could just swim forever, so I would, like, pause for a second oh, no. and just, like, leave him there. And it was like, your arms got tired and you died. Damn. And it gives you this fucking message that's like, we at Sierra really sincerely regret that you were not able to complete your quest. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have to find this. I posted a, an image of it on the um, mm -hmm. on the server. But it, it was fucking ridiculous and really kind of hilarious. Like, it, it takes you out of the, the, I mean, not that they're, is much immersion in this game to be had because it's like a less than eight bit game. Like it is an eight bit game, all flat color. Um, and uh, it, it's just, uh, I should find it. Let me find it. Um, Cause I want to read it out. Uh, yeah. This seems, this seems super interesting, but it seems like I, you'd have to really ride the saves all the time. To... Oh yeah. There was one point point <laughs> where, um, so one of the hints that the manual does give you is, mm -hmm. um, Think back to the tales of old, and there's there's outside like, game knowledge, maybe. Oh, well, you got to throw your axe into the lake, <laughs> <laughs> right? So there's stuff like you that. Like there's works a, of Shakespeare. There's, there's a beanstalk, um, <laughs> and so you have the there's Rumpelstiltskin is in it. Oh yeah. Um, and so he's a gnome, and it just says there's a crotchety old gnome walking around, and he's like, guess my name, oh. right? Um, and so. I didn't remember that. Like, I don't think I ever read the story of Rumpelstiltskin. Um, but then there was also a note, like, at the witch's house that says, um, sometimes it's helpful to think backwards. And I was like, okay, that's his name is backwards. So I that kept trying to... That would be insanely funny. But it's if... not just backwards letter, like, front to back. It's backwards based on the letter, the number letter of the alphabet. It is. Oh. So you have to reverse so it's the, the order of the alphabet. Yeah. So if yeah. it was Z, it would be A. And I would so never have so fucking, fucking figured cool, that out. But also... I had to look that up. <laughs> that's insane. Um, so then he gives you some beans and you get a beanstalk. And like getting up this They're fucking beanstalk... They're selling some fucking strategy guides off of that one for God. sure. Um, so I, I went to GameFAQs for this to, okay. to look Was look there a, like of the time guide that you found? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, not really of the, not of 80s guide, yeah. but it was like early 2000s. Okay. Um, so they were all that like just text and they get the ASCII art and whatever. Yeah. But uh, um, so, and I did look up a map because my map kept getting fucked up and I couldn't read it. <laughs> so uh, I, I did look up a map that was cleaner than mine after I mapped most of it myself. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I, I looked that up and it was like, actually it's like reversed letters of the alphabet. And I was like, how would I ever have fucking figured that yeah, out? That's like, I didn't so even remember insane. his name. It's like, I kept... <clears throat> typing gnome backwards <laughs> like, and i was like okay maybe it's my name backwards um Inomg. just all this shit Inomg is pretty good yeah gonna name somebody that <laughs> in Inomg. uh Im imung 
but yeah, so like I, I got through a lot of the game myself, but some of it I just could not figure out. Like there's a point where you have to like show goat carrot, show carrot to goat or something like that to make it follow you so you can kill the bridge troll. Um, or you could just give the bridge troll your diamonds, but then you lose points at the end because the more treasure you, you oh, end up with, you have more points at the end. Not that so it really see, matters. You mail your high score into Sierra, right? That's actually yeah. really cool. I like, I like grading your value as a king on that. Yeah, so there's treasure, and What's then you What's the can... treasury look like at the end? Oh, yeah. uh, you don't see it. Can you jump You're just, in, like, like on the <laughs> throne. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so there's, like, a lot of obscure things. Like, things I didn't know you could fucking do, like, uh, like show to somebody. Like, I'm like, okay, give Carrot Goat, and he's just he just eats it, and then you don't have your carrot anymore, and you have to <laughs> nice. go get another one. Um, <laughs> like, just shit like that. Yeah, see, uh, that would be the thing where, like, I think a... A good version, well, not a good version of this, but I think this is where you'd have like a list of common verbs for your text parser, mm-hmm. and you'd know like, oh, give is on the menu because I see, it's in the manual. I and if you were that. playing a LucasArts adventure well, game, of your, your character would say, "Oh, bloody hell! Now I've got to go get another carrot." Well, and the yeah. LucasArts games, like they have the like scum interface where yeah. it's all where you have all of your verbs right there, and you click on show to look at give mm-hmm. you would be surprised Baby how game. many games are built off of the scum VM. yeah well oh, yeah. Th- Actually, this game has all of that stuff so, so i'm excited to talk Emily about. played the freddy fish games on stream recently mm-hmm. yep. and she was uh like i she had to like download the scum vm like like yep. uh emulate emulator thing to actually to this one was was scum bm i think they um like this isn't a scum game it's an agi game which is adventure game interface yeah it's so which fucking is, funny. it's the first one who ever that ever used that but it's got its own parser and everything but i did consider playing maniac mansion which yeah, the scum interface rules. was made for it's incredibly it. good um yeah but i chose this one because it was shorter yeah and i still ended up like most people can get through it in like one or two hours and i think i spent like three or four hours because i was like mapping too much as i said you, on you did like exactly what i was hoping which is getting yeah. really into something that is like dusty as hell yeah <laughs> so there's there is a jump function and you can't you type jump and then you jump so you have to one. type it That's so, so, so there is good. one point in the game where you actually use it which is there's like an eagle flying around the screen and you have to make sure to time it exactly wow. so that you actually like grab onto him and he carries you over to this p- part where you like find a mushroom, go in a hole, and there's a bunch of leprechauns in there and they make like the worst noise ever because think of an IBM PC. Yeah. It's just the PC speaker going off. Yeah, it's this just game a has bunch a of, of fucking leprechauns doing that yep. like constantly um, until you play the fiddle for them and then they all go, they dance away um, and then you can steal <laughs> shit. from the eagles the more? <laughs> Why didn't they just fly the, the eagle to the leprechauns? Uh, so... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of shit in here that was, like, super obtuse that I would never have gotten if I didn't have a guide. But I tried to use the guide sparingly, like, if I got stuck. Like, I, got, I found a lot of stuff without it. Um, and when I figured stuff out on my own, I felt very proud of myself. That's the uh, kind of feeling that I was hoping to generate yeah. within you for this, uh, yeah. this episode. And um, I really appreciated this game because it is pretty much... Like, unless you go farther back to the text-only games, which we've already done for the show in MUDs, um, and probably mentioned with Zork and Adventure, mm-hmm. like, unless you go back farther, this is the origin point of Adventure Games. Yeah. Is King's Quest number one. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I appreciate it. Now you can say you played it. Yeah, I can say I've played it, and I, I appreciate it for what it is, um, even though it was 
frustrating and obtuse and maybe someday i'll play a different version of it did you have a moment of discovery that really stuck with you um i think realizing that what i didn't need to do with the eagle was jump and grab onto it Mm. um and then it brought me over to this screen where i hadn't been able to get to it like i had been on the screen but there was like a a river yeah it was in there was a river where i couldn't cross it because it was rapids and then there was um like every other screen had some other obstacle blocking my way to get to the mushroom and i was like i must need that shroom i've never seen a shroom before (laughs) i have to be able to get it um so once it dropped me there i was like hell yeah i figured that fucking shit out like it it was like i felt very smart (laughs) um so yeah it's just like a lot of like i can see this game in a lot of other stuff i played later um in in so many things i played later honestly and um it's weird how a lot has changed but the the initial formula is really the same like you can add more puzzles in there you can make it point and click but it's it's still at the heart of it it's still king's quest Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for a lot of those things that is something a sentiment i am going to echo for the game that i picked which is I played Dragon Warrior 1, which uh, when uh, they were originally going to localize the smash hit uh, Enix RPG Dragon Quest for the West, they had to rename it because Dragon Quest was a tabletop RPG in the West and they owned the copyright and they couldn't get anything around it. So they had to recall it. They had to call it Dragon Warrior, which is still a pretty good name. Um, One of the funnier things about it, though, is that the main appeal... For a lot of people, for Dragon Quest, is Akira Toriyama's incredible art. Uh, but in the West, they decided to go with a more fantasy novel style, mm-hmm. uh, almost like um, like Conan the Barbarian, oil paint. Like uh, I have a name look, for you. Look mm-hmm. for uh, for the covers and for the manual art of Dragon uh, Warrior One because they thought that was what people would be more familiar with, which is also Frank what- Frazetta. I, I know Frank Rosetta. Okay. Frank Rosetta's that, great. That's the name you're looking he for. He loves to draw uh, medieval stuff, swords and sorcery, but he also loves to draw cave women with huge asses, which I recommend you look oh, up if yeah. you don't know Frank Rosetta. Yeah, like he's, um, he's the Conan guy. Yes. Uh, so that was the kind of thing that they did for the art there. They also uh, did a whole lot of the thighs and thous uh, yeah. to try and get the, the speech rights. The Arth- Arthurian legend, Arth- but thou must, comes from Dragon Warrior mm-hmm. 1. It's what the princess says if you say that you don't want her to come with you when you venture to a new continent. Yep. She says, but thou must. And then you say, okay, fine, and she comes with you. Um, <laughs> but Dragon Warrior 1, uh, it, I mean, a little bit of the development history of this game, if you don't know the story, um, Yuji Hori uh, was a... Uh, he was already a successful writer. Uh, but he wanted to be more than a successful writer. He wanted to do more than that. So he started working on a video game, uh, and that video game eventually turned into the Portopia Serial Murder Case. Ah, of course. <clears throat> which is a which is an adventure game that has a command menu system similar to what would eventually be created with the Scum system, where you have... What is this? What? It, Hold I'm, on, I'm, I'm gonna, sorry. I'm going to cut this part out. <laughs> My brother just sent me this fucking meme to dunk on me. Uh, that's that's true it's very true um so anyway um so portopia serial serial murder case case. 
uh, has a command menu in it that is similar to what you would later see in something like the Scum Adventure Games, where you have a list of common actions that you could choose from taste, instead of ty- touch, typing something smell, in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Feel, Pick up, hear, look, uh, who, you know, what, when, where, yeah, how, yeah, exactly, why, that sort of thing. The report is in, instead of having to type those words in and guess on what you might need to do, there are a list of a couple actions that you could pick from at yeah. all times. I think Scum was. I forget what the first two letters are. It's something something utility for Maniac Mansion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was researching a little bit of this when I was like looking into King's Quest mm-hmm. and Maniac Mansion. Which one? I, I was just do. using that as like a comparison point because uh, the Portopia serial murder cases was using that as like a uh, gateway to a mystery mm-hmm. story. But uh, what Yuji Hori really wanted to make was an adventure game. And he wanted to make a game that was inspired by wizardry, which we haven't really talked about. Everyone in Japan loved wizardry. Wizardry is so fucking cool, but I don't want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> wizardry is a little much for this. For is, this. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. It's the, it's the origin point of... It's older than everything we're talking about today. It is harder than everything we're talking about today. It loves to kill you more than everything we're talking about today. <laughs> And the wizardry sequels get crazier than anything we are going to yeah, talk about. Very, today. very big in Japan, and that's where a lot of the stuff that would eventually become the JRPG came out of. Yes, but the other main influence was Ultima, which I know you are going yeah. to talk about as well. Um, and so Yuji Hori wanted to make an adventure game where you didn't have to worry about the verbs you were using. There were a list. There uh, were six common verbs or eight common verbs in the final game that come up on a menu that you can select between, you know, uh, talk, item, stairs, which is a funny one. Yep. Uh, talk, item, stairs, door, search, and something else. Uh, and equip, I think, is the last one. Yep. Um, but, uh, so that was the idea. And so Yuji Hori, as a scenario writer and game designer, teams up with uh, Akira Toriyama of, of Dr. Slump and Dragon Ball fame, uh, because he knew him from his days working at Shonen Jump as a writer. And they both team up with a guy who won a contest, uh, racist composer Sugi, uh, Koichi Sugiyama. <laughs> I, I think I'm remembering his name right. He's dead now, so I can slander him all I, all yeah. I want. How was he racist? Oh, yeah. Just uh, curious. He was a big, um, like, Japan ethnostate purity guy. Gotcha. Uh, something that only came out when he was in his 70s, but I'm sure it were beliefs that he held for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You I'm don't sure just people, find that people stuff. People close yeah, yeah. to him probably yeah. knew. Well, once he once he had made enough money from Dragon Quest soundtracks, he was so, like... Yeah, you can he, say he, whatever he you want. He revealed his opinion on all the races. The big apocryphal thing I hear about Dragon Quest is that it was created to be a game that like anyone could finish. Yes. Actually, that's one of the things that I find really interesting about it. I, I've read the interviews and I've done a little bit of the research. I, I've looked at a lot of old internet posts about this and tried to find good interviews with Yuji Hori, of which there are a lot. Yeah. People love to talk to him because it's an interesting thing to say. He's been very, very involved with the Dragon Quest series ever since its creation. He did not cash a check and move on. That's good. He is the scenario writer now, or he was up until 11 when he let somebody who was slightly younger than him, but not that much <laughs> younger, take over. Um, so... The idea that he had, the reason that grinding exists in JRPGs in the way it does, is because of Dragon Quest. Everything in JRPGs that you might think came from somewhere else probably came from Dragon Quest instead. And (laughs) at first I thought that that was stupid and annoying, but now I love it. Now I am am Dragon Quest pilled. I am am fully in on it. And I have been ever since I played Dragon Quest V a couple of years ago. I emulated it on my phone and I had an amazing time. I emulated the remake of the DS version. 
and it was really, really, really fucking good. Yeah. And then the, I played the damage that Dragon Quest has wrought. Yeah. And then I played Eleven on the Switch, and it was so good. The Dragon Quest goes on sale every time there is a sale on whatever console or Steam or whatever, and you owe it to yourself to play it. If you like RPGs even a little bit, if you played one Pokemon game, you will probably enjoy Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah. Um, how long are they generally? Uh, it depends on which hours. one you play. Okay. Dragon Quest Eleven. <laughs> Is a relatively big game, but if it only gets huge, if you want to dig into the post game, which after made. it, I did. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I normally once I see credits, I'm like, okay, time for me to move on. But Dragon Quest really suckered me in. Yeah. Um, the latter series, or at least as soon as they were able to put them onto portables, were all really long because they wanted the salarymen were able to play them on the train. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Dragon Quest One is not really like that. It, there are some things about it that are long, but Yuji Hori says in interviews that the reason that grinding exists is because he liked the idea of hard work paying off in a way that it does not in the real world. Yeah. Uh, this also inspired one of the other major features of uh, Dragon Quest, which is that when you die, you do not get a game over and go back to the last yeah. spawn point. You go back to wherever, but you go back to the king who is the first person you talk to in the game, and he says, thou should not have died, I resurrected you, you lost half your gold. Yeah. But that's it. You lose half your gold, and that's it. You keep all the experience points, which yeah. means if you are grinding to try and get stronger, and you die because you make a mistake or RNG fucks you, you the what you lose is money, and that's it. Yeah. You still are making progress. The this progress is, doesn't go away. Yeah. This is brought through to like a lot of other JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Like er, both Earthbound and Pokemon also do this in yes. a way that's obviously from you Dragon do not Quest. Lose experience. And you, it's funny to you can inertia your way through. <laughs> most Final Fantasy games don't do this, but six does. Yeah. Six lets you keep your experience points when you die, but others don't. And that's another like kind of consequence of how all the Final Fantasy games are like wildly different ideas trying to be jammed together. Yeah. Which is another way that is like totally opposed to fi- to Dragon Quest. Um, funny to think that these are now both being released by the same company. Uh, something that was definitely not true back when, yeah. Enix, in fact, when Enix was putting out Dragon Quest One. So, in Dragon Quest One, the Dragon Lord has taken over the uh, continent of Elifgard, and it's up to you to uh, to save the land. He's kidnapped the princess. He has uh, taken the Ball of Light, which means that monsters can now appear every single square on, on the planet Earth. <laughs> uh, and you do not have a party. It is just you. It so, is uh, you as they the, didn't invent party the, yet. the hero. No, they invented it in Dragon Quest II wow. next year, which I will talk about a little bit at the end of this. Um, and I found something really inspiring and imaginative and cathartic about this there are certainly things that are like like when i had to walk over when i walk over the stairs and nothing happens and i'm like oh i have to go select the stairs i have for, to press stairs i have to press yeah. stairs i didn't press stairs so i didn't go down the stairs Did of course try not. pressing stairs um also this game was very rudimentary uh in what you the when you level up your stats go up of course but it's random but what determines that randomness is your name. That's how they see the RNG. Wow. So that's I, so. There's an optimal name. There's an optimal name, which is one exclamation point. If you want <laughs> that rules. Or, that's um, so funny. The ancient legendary hero whose gear you're getting in Japan, that hero is named Loto, uh, L O T O. And if you name yourself that in any version of the game, that's good stats. Mm. 
which hmm. is probably on purpose. Yeah. The other stuff is like I named myself Mario and I got kind of like middling stats. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that's so. There's not. There's not like builds in this game, no. right? You don't have like no. a class that you're playing. Nope. You're just you are a, a character. You are a magic knight. You learn heal at level three, which is great because hmm. you you get to heal yourself. Yeah. Um, and in America, like in the original Dragon Warrior, the version I played, the, the localized NES version, the spells all are named exactly what they do. Uh, in Convenient. Japan, they're named more like sound effect style, like telling you, giving you kind of a little bit of an idea. Like, <laughs> Fua the, and the, Badam. Well, like, okay, so the to give an example from later Dragon Quest games, the thing that stops enemies from casting magic is fizzle. Yeah. And the, the uh, thing that kills enemies instantly is thwack. If it's yeah. low low chance to hit, but if it does, it kills them instantly. That's yeah. one thing. That's cute. So, and, sorry, I, I wanted to yeah. circle back to the naming. The naming is basically kind of like a seed, like yes. in Minecraft. Yes. Okay. So um, and the, the, the way it determines the rest one. of the RNG is based off your input. So if you're really into okay. speed running, if you follow an exact series of inputs, you can get no encounters all the way up to that's you know good. that's cool. The, the all the way up to the first golem fight where you get this where you beat him in like five turns or whatever because of RNG and then you learn the sleep spell instantly because you level up from one to seven all at once. <laughs> cool. Um, that's really cool. That's how, that's how the speed run does it, which I is really I meant to watch the speed run at this game. I didn't yeah. get a chance to. Hmm. Um, but I found, uh, I found this game in playing it, you know, playing it while doing cardio or while in line at the pharmacy or whatever. I was playing this on my phone, emulated the original NES version, and I found so much charm in every little enemy sprite uh, every little bit of text. Uh, the encounter rate, I didn't find to be like too high, but there's a lot of forced fighting because you need those levels to move on. Like there's uh, there's enemies you need to kill. Like there's a, a golem that you need to kill to get into a specific place that people will tell you like, oh, you, if you have the flute, you can put it to sleep. And so of course I did that because I was like, I want to I wanna listen to the NPCs. I, I want to do that. That's one of the things that I found to be the most fun about this experience playing Dragon Warrior 1 is like talking to everyone in a town and actually listening to the shit that they said. Like, yeah. uh, The right, king lives in the castle. The king lives in the castle. Some, sometimes <laughs> it's stuff like that. But, mo but a lot of the times it's like, uh, you know, uh, I heard there is a town that sells magic keys. And in this game, keys are... Uh, it's not like Zelda. They're not bats. No. <laughs> Okay, you you go keys. Uh, you can you go buy magic keys at a shop, and they open every door, but they're consumed when you oh, use them. So skeleton key. Yeah, yeah. So every every town has like a couple of places that you can't get into, and some of them. There's a really funny one where you open the door using one of your expendable, expensive magic keys. You walk in there, and there's two guards in there, and you talk to them, and one says. Don't bother me, I'm busy. You turn to the other one, you talk to him, and he says, Don't bother me, I'm busy. And you're like, nice. Fuck, I wasted a magic key. Love that. Uh, it was very funny. Um, but to figure out what you might need to do, the king tells you like to that you he wants you to rescue his daughter, the 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 princess, who got captured by a dragon, and he kind of gives you the vague direction that she's in. But because ever, anything that stands out from the overworld really stands out, you know. Like it's like, okay, go east. You go east, and after going over a bridge, you see a cave, and you're like, okay, that cave is probably where the princess it's is. It's not part of the map painting. I know right. that but Jerry's going to pick it up. But you can get in there, and when you do get in there, uh, 
you can't reach the princess yet because you need to have magic keys and you can't buy magic keys until you get to the shop that's after that. Mm. Nobody tells you that directly, but you can figure this out on your own. By getting to the other side of the cave, you come out on a different continent because it's like goes underwater, this cave. And um, then on that continent is the place where you can get the magic keys. And after you have those, you can open up the uh, door to fight the green dragon and rescue Princess Gwaylin, who is like a, definitely a Guinevere-style figure, uh, Arthurian legend kind of thing. And then the, your sprite changes so that you are carrying her in your arms. Cool. So, of course, your next instinct is to bring her back to the castle. And when you do that, she gives you an item called Gwaylin's Love, which tells you, if you use it in the menu, how far away you are from the castle you started the game in, like how many paces north and or like like relative to you. And you're like, why would I need that? And one of the reasons is because that's where you save. So it's kind of makes sense where like you don't okay. have a map in this game. Yeah. So if you're not looking at a map like in the manual or whatever, you might not know where you are relative to your save point, huh. your main save point. You do get a spell when you level up enough that allows you to warp there at any time. But you uh, need this because one of the things that you need to get some of the best like gear in the game, some to get like Erdrick's armor, the legendary hero's armor, is you need the token. And to get the token, uh, somebody tells you in a special door that I don't remember how you get to it, uh, that it is like 70 paces south and uh, oh. this many paces east of the castle. So you can use her. Uh, you could you could count this out yourself if you wanted to. But it's really cool to have to use this uh, like item, Gwaylin's love to have to have her communicate with you and say you are this many paces south and this many paces east of the castle, uh, and this is how many experience points you need to level up. And then you click the search function in the menu, and then you pick up Erdrick's token, and then you give that to the guy who says you don't have any proof that you're the part of the bloodline of the legendary hero. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. I'll give you the here token. is here is the staff of rain. And when you have the Staff of Rain and the Sunlight Stones, you go to one guy who is really kind of a, a, a bitch-ass curmudgeon uh, who makes the Rainbow Drop for you. And the Rainbow Drop is what you need to cross one tile of water Whoa! to get to, to, get, uh, to the, uh, the final area, which is Charlock Castle, where the Dragon Lord dwells. Interesting. And I really love this like setup, this adventure-style setup. I think it's super what? You got to get all fun. the relics. Yeah. You said setup. I, for a second, I thought you said Seb, and I was no. like, "Why are you this talking adventure about adventure Seb?" No. Yeah, and My adventure uh, Seb. <laughs> I felt like a genius in certain parts, like uh, being able to find Erdrick's token and, and like being able to get the armor and things like that. Like because I played a video game before, knowing there there are certain places that you need to go like uh certain places to check out that are important and not needing to brush up against every wall or, or hit the the search key on every single uh tile uh and there is a lot of grinding in this game but i didn't find it to be irritating really what I level did you end the game at do you remember i ended the game at level 23 and the, the level cap is 30 okay um, but people finish the game usually around 17, I want to say, on the low end and like any higher, any 20 is like the, the kind of regular area. I, okay. I went a little higher than that because I was having a good time with the game. And, um, the experience that you need to get up to the next level is fixed, but because like the, because you're one guy, right? You don't have to worry about party members dying. Yeah. You don't have to worry about every time you fight an enemy, it's one enemy. 
right? Wow, that's good. Uh, and they hadn't invented multiple enemies. They, they literally <laughs> hadn't invented multiple enemies yet. And your spells are all really straightforward. You have heal, heal more, hurt, hurt more, yep. sleep, stop spell, Cure, and return. And that's it. Like, that's what you get. And they're all useful, uh, sleep especially so. Uh, like it's not like one of those things where they would eventually invent that bosses and shit. Yeah, can, everything is immune to sleep. In, immune to sleep. Like <laughs> anything sleep, you'd want to use it on. Sleep is incredibly useful to uh, <laughs> to get through like a lot of the tough encounters in the game. And there are some, and enemies can sleep you too, and that's really fucked up. Which is why you would want to use stop spell to get that uh, to be completely fizzle. done with. Yeah, yeah, fizzle. That's one of my things in Baldur's Gate is that whenever I get like. I don't know, like a scroll or something, or if my character has something like sleep or some status changing mm-hmm. thing, it's like, oh, you can only use this on stuff that's like up to this many hit points, and that's yeah. like a Not rat. Worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or if something is under that amount of hit mm-hmm. points, like if it's hurt, but then you just want to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really cool that this game that is inventing a lot of JRPG shit has a dungeon that is the first like dungeon in the game that you can like see on the world map as soon as you walk left from the castle. Uh, you go in there and it doesn't have a reward except for a story thing that lets you know, like, hey, look, you are my descendant. I'm the legendary hero. I left my, I left my sword, my armor, and my token as like things for you to collect if evil ever rises again. And he doesn't say specifically where they are, but he's like, I, I confidently know that you can get it. Mm. And uh, so you work to get the armor and the token, and the sword is where I, I joked earlier that i would call bullshit like how are you supposed to know to get the sword to get the sword uh is a part of a staircase maze that is not something you need in that is in the final level charlock's castle or charlock castle and um you while you're going through it but also you need to use the spell radiant or a torch so that you can see because it's all dark yeah you can only see it directly around your character flash yeah of course uh, again, something that Pokemon yeah. took from Dragon Quest, yeah. which is not super weird to think, oh, I need to see in this cave and it's dark, I need to light it up. Yeah. But like the way they do it is so... It's the same. Yeah. It's so the same. And um, uh, this sword is hidden in an area that has a bunch of other chests in it that do not have anything useful in them, that have like herbs and gold that you don't need at that point in the game. Uh and like, it's so easy to walk right by this sword. I did not, but it would be so easy to walk right by this yep. sword. Nobody tells you the sword is in the final boss's castle. So they, if you were worried, like, oh, I want to go fight the final boss, but I don't have the sword yet, you could search the entire world map yeah. and not find it because they it's wouldn't like put right it right there. before the final boss. Yeah, there's they? a there's like I could see someone being confused by that. It, I have heard in later revisions of the game and re-releases, they added NPC dialogue about the sword being taken away by the Dragon Lord or something like yeah. that. I don't know. I didn't play any of those. But I was able to get the, the last sword and I was able to like uh, to beat the Dragon Lord and I had a really, really fucking good time to the point where I immediately dra- downloaded Dragon Warrior 2 and all the stuff that are actual real quality of life improvements and advancements in technology started to irritate me. Mm, I'm like, where's the purity? It's too much of too, a game yeah, now. Yeah, well, there's, they added multiple party members wow. that you fight multiple enemies at once. The, there's more status effects than just sleep. You can be poisoned. And when you are poisoned, you can't remove it by sleeping at an inn. No. You have to cast a spell that removes the poison or go see a wizard who will do it for you. And I'm like... 
where's the the feeling of being alone the feeling of being on an adventure myself and like not relying on these other these other things and i don't need a boat i was just gonna walk there you know <laughs> um, interesting something about this game really just captured my imagination in a way that i was not expecting for a game that is so old and so full of archaic bullshit that i really really liked and I started saying shit. I started talking like people in CSI when they're describing video games that don't exist. I'm like, well, in order to get the Staff of Rain, I got to walk through this. I got to walk through the damage tiles, but the damage tiles get you 15 damage every step you take. But if I get Erdrick's armor before then, I can walk through without taking any damage. Plus, every step I take heals one HP, <laughs> and that means that I can get the Staff of Rain. And if I get the Staff of Rain, I can bring it to the Sunstones to make the Rainbow Drop. And then I'll have the bridge, which means I can go over there and grind to get enough gold to buy the flame sword so I can move on. And like Incomprehensible. That's, incomprehensible. Yeah. I'm saying this stuff, and I know exactly what I'm talking about. And in the grand scheme of things, this game is very simple. But it just doesn't guide you as much as maybe some other things do. And that was part of what I found so refreshing about it. Uh, along with the, the style and the... Um, uh, like the the style and the the tone of it. The tone is very lighthearted and fluffy and fairy taley, uh, and it definitely feels like at some point I was uh, just mentioning to Alex that uh, there's like guards behind a special magic lock door that say "Don't bother me, I'm busy," which is like you just wasted your key for nothing. And it's no, like, no. They it's very it's not like super catastrophic, but it is very funny. And there's a magic key shop that is behind a magic key door, but so it's like you have, you have to spend one to get in there to yeah. buy more of them. Um, there are things about this game that are funny. There are things about this game that are really like entertaining. And I, I found myself, even though there is like a, a decent amount of uh, grinding to get to a level where you can handle tougher enemies. Like you, if you, there, if there were no random encounters in this game, you could finish it in an hour, but that's not the point. Like the random encounters are, people would have been upset that they spent $60 yeah. on a game you could finish in an hour. Yeah. The random encounters <laughs> are the journey. They're the reason it's hard to get from one place to another and, and why, you know, you might die and get sent back. And it means that there are actual consequences to venturing out, which is something that you're doing a lot in this game. You're doing a lot of going into uncharted territory, encountering enemies that you haven't seen before, uh, figuring out what they can do, uh, how they, you know, how much damage they do. Is it worth it for me to fight them or should I try and run away? Should I see if I can make it to the next town so I can sleep at the inn or do I want to push through and get more experience? Stuff like that, those struggles were invented in this way. You know, there are certainly things that uh, were not totally uh, sorted out yet. This is not the first uh, RPG of its kind uh, and it's not the first adventure game, but it was the first one to have all these elements together. And you feel that when you're playing it. And I really just felt that it was special. And of course, this is all lost on Americans who are playing the game in 1989 because Final Fantasy came out two years ago yeah, and that sorry. blows the shit yeah, out of the water. It's, it's old news. But Final Fantasy came out two years ago and blows the shit out of the water because that was already two years after Dragon Quest came out originally. Like yeah. They were working on this as a foundation. So the reason this game never catches on in the West is because it gets here too late. Yeah. And just, Well, there was a lot of hand-wringing about... Uh, dumb Westerners not knowing how to play a JRPG at yeah. the time, which is the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Truly, it is certainly but... <laughs> true in some ways. Like, yeah. But they didn't need to put out Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. I think that was probably a mistake. <laughs> um, and like, 
people will talk about how popular Dragon Quest is in Japan or how it lit the world on fire. Usually when they're talking about it's that, a federal they holiday are, whenever they release They are talking these. about Dragon Quest 3, usually. Uh, there's a, even a great little quest in Yakuza 0 where somebody gets yeah. their copy of Dragon Quest 3 stolen yeah. and you have to go hunt them down. Um, <laughs> this is was an amazing experience. I don't know that I'd fully recommend it, but I had a lot of fun. I mapped out. I was mapping out uh, the, the maze-like dungeons there aren't a ton of them there's like three dungeons in the whole game but there was at least one where i was like shit between the random encounters and the fact that the lights keep going out because i need to keep recasting the spell of radiant to light it up like i'm like i need to i need to have notes about where i'm going here i need to remember which path is which and then you get a fun little treat of when you reach a new area the random encounter pops up new toriyama drawing it's great there you go oh yeah the slime draws near yeah slime draws near you, it's like it's a skeleton and the skeleton has a super long bulbous head and you're like oh my god that's amazing yeah. this is so good this game is so fucking good Dragon and Ball I, had already taken off at this time so oh people yeah. already Dr. knew Dr. Slump and Dragon like, Ball uh, honestly yeah. Akira Toriyama at this time doing the art for this was slumming it he didn't need yeah. to do this mm-hmm. but then of course now in Japan this is way more famous than any of the other shit he did uh, Dragon Dragon Ball here it's not but in Japan yeah here it's Dragon Ball hands down oh yeah or even DBZ most people I know are, are more DBZ people than yeah. regular Dragon Ball people um the I there was a little some funny stuff in the manual but nothing I want to get too into yeah uh I really enjoyed going through the manual for this uh the the map is missing a lot of important shit mm, uh interesting but you don't really need that much it's just nice to know where you are. And I had a really good time with this, and I want to hear what you uh, did, Alex, with Ultima Underworld. Yes, that is right. I played the so 1990- I did the dragoning, and you're doing the dungeoning. Yes, <laughs> I played the 1992 video game Ultima Underworld: The Stygian Abyss. What a fucking name! Yes, this is an Ultima kind of spin-off created by Origin Systems, who would eventually become Looking Glass Studios, who would eventually make uh, every immersive sim uh, that. Uh, people liked. Uh, we played Deus Ex very early on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's a game specifically that's very important to me, and this is like the granddaddy of that whole subgenre. It's going back in the uh, the lineage. You were going, we're going yeah. up the family tree. This has been a bucket list game for me for forever. So I kind of bent Nick's rules a little bit so mm-hmm. that I could play it. Um, and I was really glad I finally like buckled it down fits and do this. The spirit of what we're doing. Yeah. So it's not really a problem. This game is um, is an old first person dungeon crawler, um, and you're uh, it's one of those kinds of games where uh, the actual gameplay is in a small fraction of the screen because and you have a, a gigantic UI. giant borders that <laughs> yeah. have tons of like other clickable shit. There. You have enormous UI where you're clicking and you have an event readout that tells you like. Oh, what you're looking at, what you're dealing damage to, and the status of the game. Uh, you have your entire character screen, which would be like a pause screen in a regular video game. It's just on the side of the screen at all times. Um, one of my favorite things about this vintage of video game is uh, it's the kind of game where in order to pick something up, you click on pick up, and then you click on the object in the world, and you drag it from there into your inventory. Uh, which is not, which is so bizarre 
like it takes from so a, long. It's from a fu- from a future video game perspective. You press the use button on something, and it gets sucked up into your in- into your inventory. Well, even in King's Quest, you you type get thing, and then you have it. Yeah, it's in, like you in got this it. one, you the F keys are all the hot keys for all your contextual options. Ugh. So like, um, like we were talking about with the scum engine, uh, you have your options for like talk, get, look, fight, and use. And those, those are, are all... some important things. I also have you do all of those things in my daily life. Yep. Yeah. So I learned um, from watching the LGR video about King's Quest, and I don't know if um, Ultima did this, but maybe, or Ultima, Ultima Underworld. God. Um, <laughs> Ultima, God, yes. my, t- my tongue is bothering me today because I've got a numb spot from when I had my surgery last year, uh, and yeah. um, today it's particularly bothering me. You got anyway, marbles in there. That's all right. Yeah, no, no, it's it's like I grow one neuron back at a time. Um, <laughs> and today a neuron has grown back that is fucking me up. Um, anyway, so they used to make little strips to put across the top of your keyboard to show you what the, um, <laughs> what the, the function yeah, yeah, what the function keys did. And it wasn't just for video games. It, it was largely, largely for like other programs like word processors and stuff yeah. like that. And I feel like they must have made one for this if all your stuff was function keys. Well, mm. you could still go in with your mouse and click on mm. the, the options, but you... See, I would be... I, that's not efficient at all, but I would be so tempted to just do that every time. I love I, the idea of I, clicking on I, shit. I, I did yeah. a mix of both because... Is your mouse, mouse a little gauntlet in this game? Uh, it's just kind of a cross. It's like okay. a it's a pretty simple like crosshair cross. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wondering if there was a vanity thing. <laughs> So you're uh, you're moving around. The control scheme in this game is actually pretty modern. You are like moving around with W A, uh, W A D and uh, hold on, and X, not <laughs> S. Uh, I don't think that's S weird. Does anything? That's so <laughs> fucking weird. I get it. Like I understand where they're coming from there, but it doesn't feel natural with your no. fingers. Move backwards is like half as fast as move forwards too. So you're you're really disincentivized to back up. To turn around. You want to turn fully around if you want to run from something. Um, you can. You I kind of use it to like do the combat dance, like go forward, hit him with my sword, then back off to to like dodge their counterattack. Um, but. Otherwise, it's mostly that, and then you're using the mouse to pick things up and click on things and interact with the environment. Um, and then you use your function keys for all those uh, options, or you just click on them. But uh, I was expecting it to be a little harder to figure out, but I once I kind of got the hang of it on the first floor, I was like pretty locked in with how this game plays, uh, which I was really impressed by because I tried to play System Shock 1, and it was less playable than this. Mm-hmm. And I think this the reason is because that game is faster paced. The combat in this game is slow enough where you can take your time and like walk up, hit, back off, <laughs> walk up, hit, back off. And, and uh, at least for melee attacks, because I used a, a fighter build, I specifically spec'd for a sword, uh, which was one of the before I play pro tips for this because one of the eight relics you have to find is a sword. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> so it's just like, it's like saying, oh, I'm going to be driving by there anyway. I might as well stop. Well, yeah, now. it's literally like, oh, okay. One of the relics is an unbreakable sword that does strong <laughs> damage. It's like, okay, why would I spec into axes ever? <laughs> yeah, why, why would I do anything else? But um, yeah, so you can kind of do the combat dance. You have to hold the mouse button to charge up your swing and then release it to actually Dang. swing. Oh man, you're selling me on it just by and, talking about uh, it. And the, hold on, uh, there's a... a power gem on the ui uh-huh. that now, like, does that flash when you're it, like... it goes from red to yellow to green mm. and green is the strongest attack so you want to hold it and wait for green and then release yeah. unfortunately now, the guide alex has to not have you... color 
Is there something that is incentivizing you to not keep the button held down at all times? I would always fully charge my swings, but that's just because I, that's, there was, there is a little bit of like, you can change You can do like a thrust an overhead swing and a side swing. I think I just kind of let it, let it fly, whatever I did. <laughs> um, but the, basically the main plot of this game is that you are, um, you're falsely accused of kidnapping a princess in the, there's a, a I played the CD version and there's a fully voiced intro where they go through all of this. Um, but the king uh, basically accuses you of kidnapping the princess and uh, like an orc or something comes and takes her instead. Uh, but the king, uh, you are the avatar, which is a thing in the Ultima games. Like, mm -hmm. You're like the hero. You are, um, now, you are the avatar of a god, correct? I think. I don't know. It's not that important in this yeah, game, I guess so I didn't really... really it doesn't really matter but, that much. Uh, Basically, you plead your case in front of the king, and he says, "Okay, if you if you really are the chosen hero, then go save my daughter, you idiot." And then locks you in the, uh, the, the Stygian abyss. God, that's so fucking funny. Because Ultima is like a world with continents and races and things like yeah. that. He's like, "Get in the fucking dungeon, you asshole!" Yeah. yeah. And so this, this did you say this wasn't really related to the rest of the games? No, it's not really because it wasn't pitched as. Yeah, this was originally game. a game called Underworld, and then. From my understanding, Richard Garriott, who was the big Ultima guy, uh, Lord this. British, was like, this um, is mine now. you guys should do this in the world of Ultima. And then that's kind of how they got this uh, this game going. Mm -hmm. But um, the uh, Stygian Abyss itself is a an eight-floored dungeon uh, where you start on level one, the, the top, and you end the game on level eight, the bottom. Uh, but you're backtracking up and down through the through the floors a lot to get magic items, to talk to people, and to kill enemies and such. Uh, you need the eight talismans of the legendary hero in order to vanquish the demon at the end and save the princess. Um, all of those are kind of obscure quests. Mm. <laughs> I followed a guide uh, as well as having all of this reference so material. So it's possible to make yourself make your way to the end of the dungeon without doing that shit, or what? You, so in order to vanquish the demon at the end of the game, you need to, very Lord of the Rings style, throw all eight of the talismans into the volcano to, to uh, free the demon, and then you have to run away from him through like the trippy fucking material plane. That's really cool. Um, it's, that sounds it's great. Uh, it's really neat. Uh, but you could get down to the last level and not know what to do. <laughs> I would like to mention something important that I forgot to bring up, yeah. uh, which is that something that a lot of people probably already know. But in Dragon Quest, it may have the first recorded incidents of a final boss having a second form. Whoa. Where the Dragon Lord, after you take uh, down his HP, and he doesn't have like a ton of HP, you take him down, and it says, the Dragon Lord reveals his true form, and he's a dragon. He's the dragon you've yeah. been questing after this whole time. Nice. He's a big purple dragon with an incredible Akira Toriyama drawing, and he's a lot tougher. He like Because this game classifies fire breath attacks as separate from regular attacks. They do a different kind of damage that's calculated differently, and they're you got to make sure you're ready to fucking heal your ass off through that. Okay. Anyway, the uh, also, for a game that is very sparing with its like aesthetic changes, um, normally when... Uh, uh, enemies pop up. They pop up in a little window in the uh, in the overworld. But uh, the bosses, it's all blacked out. It's a separate screen, right? And when uh, and that and that is what happens when you beat the Dragon Lord. It goes all all black except for the sprite of the Dragon Lord and in his purple dragon form, uh, fighting you. And the music changes, so it's like so sparing. It like barely ever. They have like five music tracks in the game, but this is one of them. They save the one of them for yeah. the last few minutes of the game, and it really works. 
Um, so the the guide that I followed uh, is uh, called uh, Sir Cabrius's Ultima Homepage. Hell yeah! Sir Cabrius is the man who created the the Stygian Abyss. Oh, that's uh, so, so cool. And it's a lot of it is in character as this yeah. guy, as is the the whole hint book is in character. So the, just like the Street also. Fighter ones I was talking about uh, last year. Uh, and, in the jungle, medium punch and medium kick are what we yeah. use to survive. So he has, uh, they have full in-depth guides of the whole floors and uh, of all the floors and that stuff was a lifesaver. I would never have finished this game without some of those hints. Um, it's separated in a really nice way. It's not like a full spoiler guide. It's like, it basically has um, three sections on each floor and it says things you need to do, which are things that you have to do either for later quests or to finish the game at all. It has things you should do, which are like points of interest and optional character quests. Uh, and then it's things you can do, I believe, which are just fun, like, Trivia, Easter eggs, weird uh, edge case things that won't really contribute to your quest, but are interesting. Um, so I kind of mixed and matched. I did a lot of that stuff, but I made sure before I moved on, I checked off all my things you've got to do. Um, uh, what else? There's a lot. There's a lot to this game. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, there's there were a couple jumping puzzles in this game, mm -hmm. and you need to press Control J or both of your mouse buttons to jump. So and there's a bit of money only who didn't play That's a game so with some weird ass jump command in it. <laughs> And, and you know what? I actually totally did because when I started up Dragon Warrior 2, there's a thing you get where you get the cloak of wind and you put it on one of your party members. You put it on uh, the Prince of Canock, and uh, who in my playthrough, which they choose randomly based on your name, but he's named Orfeo in my playthrough. And I'm That's like, cool. Yeah. So I put the cloak of winds on Orfeo and then. Uh, there's the twin dragon tower, the dragon's horn tower, and uh, you get up to the top of it, and how you get to the other side over the river is you have to walk off the north edge of the tower while you're wearing the cloak of winds, and that go. will safely guide you to the bottom of the other side. That's the only way to get well, across there before you have the boat. So another cool thing, like, uh, there are a bunch of things, like, details in this game and, and systems that I think are, like, so incredibly before their time, it's wild. Um, the first one, I think, is the mapping system. It's an auto map, so um, it's based on how much you can see, and there are different levels of light that you can have. So you can have a lantern, you can have a candle, and you can have a torch, and those all give off different light when you're walking around, but also contribute to how much map you're mapping out as you're walking around. Um, but uh, it's a full map screen, which is an object in your inventory, so if you wanted to, you could throw it out of your inventory and lose it forever uh, if you wanted to. Uh, but you also, uh, when you click on it and expand it, it expands the whole map of the current floor you're on. And if you, uh, you have a little quill, uh, like your cursor can turn into a pen and quill, and you can click on an, an area of the map and uh, type anything you want on it. So you can basically like make complete notes for yourself on That's the map. That's so cool. It reminds me of the primitive thing that the DS would do in some games where you could write yeah. on the map. It's, exa Mauer it's exactly that like kind that. of thing. Yeah. And it's super neat because there's so many stairs and details and things that you would want to come back to so i kept making like whenever i found an npc that had a quest for me i would make a little note of their name and put it right on that part of the map <laughs> and it was a lifesaver because you do have to go back up and down this fucking dungeon so many times <laughs> i kept like especially when you get towards like level seven and eight uh they'll be like oh all right in order to get this relic you have to go back up to I, this one I looked up the secret word I had to use, but 
The real way you're supposed to figure this out is you're supposed to go to every one of the shrines on each of the floors, which is where you level up. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're supposed to type a specific phrase and it'll tell you where the secret room is with, within relation to that shrine. It'll be like up or down if it's a floor up or down. And it'll tell you north, like compass directions. Oh, um, this reminds me of something else that happens in Dragon Warrior 2, which I've been, play I've been playing like today and shit. So it, this is fresh in my mind and it, it does fit directly into what we were talking about here. You get a flute called the Echoing Flute, and how you, one of the ways you're supposed to figure out. I think I've heard about this. Uh, one of the ways you're supposed to figure out where the the the, the five crests you need to complete the game are: uh, sun, moon, water, life, and uh, stars. Uh, you get the Echoing Flute, and you play it. You play the Echoing Flute, and if the tone comes back, if the flute echoes, and you get a second half of the melody, then you know it's like in the area you're in right now. Interesting. Uh, which is like, if you end up somewhere weird because there are warp tiles that send you all over the map and there are like areas that are clearly special in some way, it's like worth checking. With, yeah, like, let, me, let me flute, yeah. let me see. Yeah, 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 let me see if there's something cool here. Um, the other cool thing that I think this game does that I really liked was um, it's an RPG system. You pick a character class at the beginning of the game and it randomly rolls your stats. It's it's D D adjacent. I only played fighter, so I don't know the magic system is neat, but I don't know how any of the other character classes really articulate. But um, when you you level up by gaining experience, doing heroic things, because you're the Ooh. avatar of the hero, yeah. it's basically like Deus Ex, you get points for doing things. You get experience points for exploring and completing quests and stuff. But uh, you can also lose experience points for killing NPCs and yeah. doing bad things. Oh, I, so wait, you, you mentioned the idea of it, but do you know if it is possible to level down? I don't think so. Hmm. But um, the actual, like well, you'll gain experience points, but you won't be able to assign points and skills uh, until you find a shrine. And these shrines are, there's one on every floor. It's a little symbol of an ankh. And you walk up to it and it asks you for a mantra, which is uh, a word of power. Mm -hmm. where um, you find them throughout the dungeons and they're each doled out as quest rewards or and notes. And you type or... them into the command line, yep. correct? Yes, you do. And uh, there's a, like 10 or 15 different ones that all raise specific skills. Um, and you're supposed to find them as you go and remember them or keep the notes on you. Um, but if you are playing this game again, following a guide, or you want to flip to the end of the hint book here, uh, it just lists all of them and they all work. You know, your character doesn't need to know them you just need to write the right letters in. <laughs> so so I max my sword out, uh, which is something you find on level four, uh, on like level two or three, because I like saw it in the, you know, I looked it up. But um, there's a bunch of stuff like that. There's, there's a couple areas where they invoke passwords and text parser stuff. And they just, if you know it, you know it. And they, it activates the flag. It felt very immersive to me. That's like... That's super cool. Exactly what Deus Ex does with all the key codes and yeah, all that. If you already know it, if you've played the game before or you're using a guide or somebody... You know the code's you. 0451. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that was super neat. Uh, all the, the story stuff in this game was pretty interesting. Like, it's not really tied into the Ultima canon, but there's the, like uh, two brother wizards... One of them is already dead, and he talks to you in his dreams, or in your dreams, when you use a bedroll to sleep uh, to restore health or pass time. Uh, and then there's an evil wizard who's down on floor seven who's controlling all the, um, the enemies in the level. Uh, and they're, like, kind of feuding over this whole... It's, it's too long to get into, but... Um, 
the cool, one of the other coolest things about this game to me, and I think the thing that felt really truly before its time, uh, was how much dialogue and conversation there is in this game. I was expecting this to be a, a game where anything that looked like a goblin, I would slash with my sword. Mm -hmm. um, on the very first level, there are two distinct settlements of goblins who have different opinions about the other ones. Oh and, man, uh, that's so great. It's super neat. And there's um, a really cool like diegetic way to signal that. Now, are they like oppressed or do they not give a shit about the surface? They're like, no, this is where we live. It's fine. The um, Sir Cabrius who created the, the Abyss envisioned it as like a utopia. So he oh. brought a bunch of people here with the intent that they would all that live would be together. Like an ideal society. Yes. Okay. It's very like like every immersive sim. Like I, you could see Bioshock in some of the yes, lore in this, and I'm like, wow, that's so insane. I like that. That's a really um, so. It's a failed utopia. Yep. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Now, because of the demon, or because it because failed Sir Cabrius died, and then they're like, what do we do? Oh, <laughs> I see. Oh, it's oh, very cool. It's all great. Right. Yeah, I like that. So you, um, that, I like that there are answers to these questions that we naturally There's, have. Like, this book is really filled with a, a ton of the storytelling, but a lot of it is on the page. You can go talk to a wizard about some of this stuff, and he'll tell you. Um, but the, the way that they signal, like, an area being kind of like a friendly camp or a place where the goblins won't attack you right away is they'll have the symbol of Sir Cabrius, which is that Ankh symbol that you also level up at. They'll have it on a banner on the wall, or they'll have some way to distinguish that you probably shouldn't go in and slash your sword, uh, which you can do. A lot of these, like, I don't think there are any plot uh, important NPCs. I think you can solve most of these quests if you were to kill everyone. <laughs> but um, there's so so much more dialogue in this game than I expected. And it's like uh, people giving you riddles, people telling you hints, people being like, um, you find a note on the wall that says, uh, it feels like a like a one-off joke or joke or something. It's like Judy loves Tom. It says on the wall, mm. uh, in like floor three, and then when That's you're on important. floor five, you meet Judy, and she says, "I lost my husband Tom in the lava. Uh, could you find something to help me remember him by? I don't remember what he looks like anymore." <laughs> oh, um, <that's> sad. <laughs> and then like immediately <laughs> forget. And then on floor seven. Uh, you meet a guy in a prison who's like, I'll draw a map for you. And you're like, thanks, I could use a map, sure. And he says, uh, my map didn't turn out very well, but here's this picture of a guy named Tom I found. Wow, <laughs> love it. And then you bring it to the woman and she gives you, um, she cries a tear which falls into the lava and turns into one of the pieces of the key you need to beat the game. <laughs> Fucking awesome, I love that stuff. And like, that's, some, that's a whole quest that spans the whole game, but uh, if you hadn't been using a guide or didn't know that, you would have to have done so much schlepping to figure any of that out. Because you gotta go in between floors to, to get yeah. anywhere. And I think oh, one of the big innovations that this game didn't stumble on, that both of the system shocks would roll into it, um, is that this game has or staircases that go up and down between the floors, but it's none of it is centralized. You have to go, if you want to go up from floor two to three, you kind of have to cross all of floor two to get to the stairs and then cross all of floor three to get to the stairs down. Uh, in both the system shocks, you just have a central elevator shaft that brings you up through all the floors. So when you need to backtrack, you go to one place and you just mm -hmm. hit floor two. And like that is the one thing I think that this game really could have used. Um, but otherwise it felt so, so modern. I This exact level structure feels like it was, you, System Shock 2 and 1 use this exact same thing. Oh, it's yeah. like eight floors, all with a specific purpose, all with different things going on. That's seven years later. Yeah. So yeah. like. But still like 25 years ago, so probably not 
Well, but, like, but, you know, think about the pace that game design was moving at at the time. Think about oh, how yeah, fast it's insanely fast. Like, because like, this is, like, all, like, pixelated. Like, it is in a 3D engine, but yeah, it's all Yeah, this is 3D. Flat, it looks everything. like Doom, though. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Doom. And then you get to system, the System Shock games, and you're 3D. Yeah. Um, the other big thing, I think, is that... Uh, God, where is I going to go with that? Um, oof. Oh, I, I want to... Sh- I would quickly touch on the um, the way that you do magic in this game. I didn't really do it at all, but you find specific rune stones that you combine on your your HUD. There's three slots for them, and you combine them uh, in sets of three to make your specific spells go off. And uh, it's in the back of this book, but there's like a hundred different combinations of the, these that you can do, and they're all like varying degrees of usefulness, but some of them seem pretty powerful. Um, you eventually find, uh, if you talk to a like wisp there's like blue floating something uh if you make the choice to talk to it it'll tell you a secret and that secret is the spell that destroys the entire world oh (laughs) and you can do it it's a non-standard game over but you you literally just end the whole universe with a specific spell does that fall under the mantras or no this is you use you combine rune stones that you find to do this okay um one one more game design thing that I really I thought was like, why has no one ever stolen this? Uh-huh. Um, you in the very first level, right, pretty much right off the rip, there's a secret door off to the right um, where you find a seed, a silver seed. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere that there's dirt, you can plant this silver seed, and that acts as your checkpoint. Mm-hmm. When you die, you respawn there. Uh, you don't lose anything. Uh, it's completely it's just like free in the blind forest. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but you, you can basically make your own checkpoint anywhere. So, uh, I, you'd use it for play at times you have to backtrack usually, uh, where I'd go all the way up to floor three and then just die because my tree is on floor seven and it's much faster than walking <laughs> all the way back to floor seven, but it felt kind of like a bonfire. It felt very soulsy to me where it's like, this is my home base. I'm going to camp out right here. Uh, as far as I go, I know I can always come right back here when mm-hmm, I die. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a super unique thing, and you can carry it around with you anywhere there's dirt. You can plant it. Uh, it's super cool. All right, but I I fucking loved this game. It Do was... you feel like you like really got the full experience? I mean, like I know you did because I'm looking at the fucking <laughs> physical yeah. paper clips together. Uh, paper. Alex that you had, had this. For so, yeah, a I while. I told Seb about this when we were setting up. Mm-hmm. Um, I had printed all this this stuff out with the I intention of playing it. I remember when you initially did it. this. It was a, it was like last year. Sometime. It was before I moved into this apartment, so it was yeah. last. It was about a probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had wanted to play this, but didn't get the chance to because uh, you know life got in the way. I moved, uh, but I so I already had all this stuff sitting around. So like, of course, I was going to use every inch of the manual and the hint book and all the flavor text and the lore and uh, I had so much fun with this. It was a deeply frustrating game at times, and I don't think all of it is <laughs> as elegant as maybe I've said it is, but I had a fucking blast. Mm. That's really great. I am super happy with how this turned out. I feel like we all definitely got into the spirit of it. I think that this is a kind of idea I would like to revisit in the future, perhaps with a more specific aim. I don't think we did anything wrong this time, but I, I think maybe digging into a more specific style of yeah, a genre. A genre or, yeah, or maybe yeah, like a specific style. year. Or year, yes. Year, year would be good, especially... Uh, Game of the year, 1995. Yeah. Oh my God, there's too much fucking competition. That would be hard. Um, 
But uh, thank you so much for coming with me on this journey. And I'd like to read off a uh, community. Oh, oh uh, I'm sorry. One yes. more thing real quick. Yeah, um, yeah. The sound in this game is insane. Uh, it's all like MIDI keyboard sounds. Did you get, did your sound oh. blasters chip? So when you're uh, walking, it it's out? like, and then enemies all have do, 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 do. And then every enemy has a very distinct like noise or the bats will go. It's all, it was like, I... All PC speaker noises. And it was yeah. all like so recognizable because I would immediately be like, that's a bat. That's like a guy, a, you know, that octopus guy mm-hmm. that's swimming around in the water. Wow. Really genius. Like people had to really work I, to make I this stuff would love it if good. we could put some of that in the edit. Just yeah. find a gameplay video. Now, was there any music in this game? Uh, yes. Okay. And it, there's like a combat theme. There's a victory theme when you finish the game or mm-hmm. finish a, a combat encounter. Uh, if you're fighting a big group of enemies, it'll play the victory theme after the first guy you kill, and then wait, wait a little bit, yeah. and then do it again. That's great. Um, in King's Quest, they in the version I played, they had a version of uh, Green Sleeves playing at, at the start, and then there was nothing. There was no music. <laughs> I'll, there I'll there get were that some version. noises. I'll get that version. I'll put it in uh, like yeah, before I, the break. I hope yeah. we can get some good sounds in. That, oh, I, yeah. Something yeah. I had wanted to to like put on or show you guys beforehand, but I didn't get a chance to. Yeah, I was playing uh, because I couldn't stand the silence a lot of the time. Like most of it would be like, um, you would go in the water and he'd splash. Or if you died, it would do do, 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 <laughs> And then, and yeah. then after that it would go, do, 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 do. Um, but yeah, that was, that yeah, was the, about it for the, the noise. So the I sound put on design some... in this was super, super yeah. iconic. And I've been playing so much of it. I've been like, thinking and hearing those those sounds mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the schizophrenic haze just like burp, 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 burp. Yeah. <laughs> just i've definitely up been thinking you. about the uh, the dragon quest like you just finished a battle like Doo-doo! like very, yeah. the, the very like all the little chirps and, and bleeps yeah. that yeah. became so iconic i ended uh, up putting on final Famicom's, fantasy music uh, while i was playing famicom sound chip like castlevania 3 to make all the nice extra sounds mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i would like to read off a nice uh, email that we got on our extended break. Okay. Um, this one comes to us from uh, a friend of the show, Andrew, uh, who says, Hey, y'all. First off, I wanted to thank you for the Dragula episode. It makes me really happy that y'all were job. able to get so much enjoyment out of something you wouldn't normally check out, and I enjoyed listening to what you had to say we're, about it. We're so thus saving you. it for six months. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies for fucking up the sound. Hopefully it's been better since then. Second, I was going to wait a while before making another suggestion, but I listened to an older podcast app, and one of you made a joke about something that I've been wanting to check out for a while, so I sat down and watched it, and now I can't stop thinking uh. about it. Uh... Some of you have already seen it, but I think it would make it really qu- a really interesting episode, whether you think it's good, whether you think it's actually quite bad. Yes, I'm talking about The Menu. Wow. Sincerely, mm. Andrew. Uh, yeah, so we'll add that to our list, which I think 20, is... 2021. No, no, 2021. 2021. Hey, there was a one in the there menu. somewhere. Uh, yeah, so that was Cam and I doing Ralph Fine's impressions about like, yeah. so, uh, with the scene in the one of the scenes of the movie where he's commenting on somebody's lamb chops. I want to say. Yeah, I watched, it's actually like, quite bad. I watched like <laughs> almost every big movie that year, but I missed the menu, so I'm mm-hmm. excited. Uh, that was a that was a good film. So we, uh, I'm adding that to our list. It'll be in the rotation. Yes. Uh, that is in the rotation. Next up, our next guest episode on the on the uh, docket is uh, Byron's open air pro- open prompt to 
play a game with a lot of swears in it, which I think is him trying to get us to play Borderlands. But uh, <laughs> I, I like the idea of. of I'm that. gonna take it a weird direction. Just you wait. All right. Yeah. I think <laughs> I've never played fun. Borderlands. Maybe I, I'll take oh, him up wow. on that just because. Uh, I saw High on Life was on Game Pass, so I think I'm gonna do that. Ah. Well, uh, <laughs> well, uh, we I'll, could. I'll, I'll make sure I have a lot of impressions for okay. it. Um, yeah. But. Uh, that's some of the stuff we've got coming up. Alex, what are we doing next week? Because uh, normally we'd be recording the episode in five days, so I'd like to know wow. now I what I'm doing. So I'm uh, I was hoping we could. I was hoping we could wait until the uh, Oscars uh, annou- announced the thing. I was hoping <laughs> my next episode would be watch a movie from last year, but <laughs> it's not ready yet. Uh. Uh, I don't have another idea, so I think... Uh, what else are you going to do this coming week? I think I'm going to play Baldur's Gate 3. Why don't we play some games from wow. 2023? Why don't we play Baldur's Gate 3, Nick? You, I, would, I <laughs> have right. a way to play it at home. You, Done. Do we want to talk Baldur's Gate 3? I think we might have to. Wow. Okay, we'll do it for the sorry, show. Sorry, Seb. Even I didn't do this. <laughs> sorry. I, was playing, I played it for like 100 hours, and I did, and that it's all I wanted to do, and I still didn't make everybody mm, do it. Sorry. Well, you know what? It, it happened. Uh, that means you are going to have to change what your next episode is, Seb. Sorry. Damn it. I don't. I have no idea. I haven't. I haven't had. Well, any you've thoughts. got. You've got a week and a half to figure it out. Okay. Uh, all right. So we're gonna be playing some Baldur's Gate three next week, and we'll see you then. Wow. Bye. 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 B